Welcome in, Cardinals fans, to the Revenge of the Birds podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy, on Twitter, at BlakeMurphy7. And uh, we're going to go back to a time in probably early, I didn't want to say like January, February time, there was a statement that was made. And the statement, at least, was about a certain quarterback, a certain Kyler Murray, made by someone connected to the Arizona Cardinals, it was not actually Cliff Kingsbury who made that statement about taking Kyler number one overall. It was from our own John Venerable who made that statement about if the Cardinals did draft Kyler Murray at number one overall, he would delete the account. Folks, we've got our countdown timer that we had going on at least just in case <laughs> we get to that point. And it looks more and more likely that the Arizona Cardinals are going to be potentially drafting Kyler Murray. There's a lot of people, and we'll get into this, of the depths of some people are still looking at it as a – big time smoke screen. Some people are looking at it as, you know, the team's still evaluating in all of those spots. Some people have come out like Ben Albright and other people are kind of messaging more and more. I've gotten enough that I've at least been able to her to be able to talk about that. And I think that this is kind of the reality of let's, let's go ahead and put aside all of the questions, arguments, whether smoke or not. Let's talk about if the Cardinals are in that reality of drafting Kyler Murray at number one overall, what's going to be the fallout? What's going to be the aspect of that? What's going to be this future for the Arizona Cardinals in a really pivotal year? To join me to talk about it, as always, is John Venerable at Johnny's Football for now. John, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm good, Blake. That, that tweet was sent out <clears throat> on February 11th, so it's been almost two months. Uh, and it uh, plainly said, I'll delete my Twitter forever uh, if the Arizona Cardinals – Take Kyler Murray, hold me to it, Bird Gang. Um, Is it, it delete the account? Like, that was the one I said, delete the account, I believe. Yeah, so I – this is going to – in my opinion, this is going to happen. I when, I when I tweeted that out, I thought there would be a 1% chance <clears throat> that the Cardinals we were, could We were Kyler told Murray. for a lot of people at the time, there was people who were, like, within the Cardinals who would, like, reach out, like, yeah, I was like, there's no chance I was told. I was following – Yeah, it was, a, it was a complete um, – you know, rumor, it was not even a rumor. It was just people had gotten their hands on the Kingsbury video from last fall. It had tried to connect the dots. People who didn't watch this team uh, and only pulled from Rosen's statistics think, oh, he can't play. They need to upgrade. And you and I knew better, uh, or we thought we did at the time. And now we sit here at the end of March, early April, and I think we're both pretty much firmly in the camp that they're going to take Kyler Murray first overall, which is – pretty ridiculous i would it's have thought by crazy. now team chaos yeah. is like like we talked about team chaos like that was one of the, the most chaotic potentially option that you could have was they took kyler murray at number one overall i would have thought by now if they were going to make a trade in terms of a trade down they would have done it already i think if they would have had a team if they were really interested in trading down with a team like oakland maybe a team like the giants i believe that would be done by now um We've seen in years prior when a team gets a look at a quarterback prospect that they love, like the Eagles with Wentz or the Washington with Robert Griffin, that's done March, even sometimes late February. I mean, those deals are done, and now we're going to be sitting here. You know, we're recording this Saturday, March 30th. We're two days away from April. Nobody, in my opinion, is coming up for the first overall pick. I think I think that ship has sailed. I could I could absolutely be wrong, but I it, that's just my opinion. I do not believe anybody is giving up draft capital to come up for the first overall pick if they've offered. It hasn't been nearly enough for the Arizona Cardinals to warrant a trade down, and I believe they're going to stand uh, sit tight. I should say at pick number one, and they're going to take Kyler Murray. Now, where it gets interesting, Blake, I think it 
-hmm. we've we've started to hear additional rumors come out probably in the last 24 hours. Cardinals are doing their due diligence. They're meeting with Joey Bosa. They're in, I believe, uh, Fort Lauderdale, dining with his family. Um, Read into that what you will. I honestly believe it's a smokescreen at this point. When you've got folks as well-connected of the Arizona Cardinals as Benjamin Albright saying that it's a done deal, which is basically what he's saying, that he's saying that the Cardinals have told Murray it's going to be the first overall pick. I think now they are trying to leverage what they can for a Rosen trade. And I also think via pro football talk that they're, they're feeling pressure from the league to wait on a Rosen deal to keep, um, I guess, suspense building for the draft. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and, and so there's that factors, there's the factor of trying to get a contract done with Murray, you know, ahead of time. So they don't lose leverage because he has ultimate leverage with, with potentially going back to baseball. There are so many moving parts. The Cardinals have to make sure they don't butcher this. And I think step one is making sure they get the the proper draft capital, whatever that may be for Josh Rosen. Yeah. And that's, what's interesting is with a lot of people, like how did we get here is where a lot of people are talking about, like, where did it come from? Well, where, why did this come up out of the place? Because the team was kind of sold on Josh Rosen. They brought in a coach to help develop him, to work with him. And then suddenly to turn tail around, be able to move it. That's kind of where for a lot of people, it's almost too unbelievable. And that's, I think, part of why a lot of people have really questioned, part of why you and I were even questioning a lot of this, at least, was like, hey, if you're still going to be convinced or sold on Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray is a better option, then usually you don't take the better option. A lot of times it has to be kind of a continual, hey, maybe we're not as sold on Josh Rosen as it is. And some of that, I think, is some of the things that you and I have talked about with, you know, there's been not like reports or rumors, but there's just kind of whispers where it's not that Josh has been bad or hasn't done anything that's there. It's just kind of the question of, for him, whether it's the personality, whether it's the fit, and some of it is also the idea of the ceiling. Like pre-draft, one of the things that we talked about, or I heard from people, was people would question if he had a certain limited ceiling, whether that was the accuracy, whether it was being able to make plays out of structure when things would be able to break down. There was just kind of some questions that came in. Then you got to see with good coaching, like a guy like Jared Goff turned that around. You're like, okay, Cliff comes in, work on the offensive line, work on the play calling, a lot of those things that were problems and issues you get to move ahead and move forward for that one. So in order for what we talked about was you'd have to essentially be able to say, admit that you were wrong on Josh Rosen and be pretty bad to then have to move on a year later to take Kyler Murray to not give him a chance. And so that's kind of the biggest thing we came to is we a lot of times believe, and I even believe kind of that they weren't going to go through with all of that. They were eventually going to go through the two of them, compare, see all that. And eventually say, okay, we like Josh Rosen enough. We're going to stick with him. We can add to that trade down and get some of the different picks. You, the biggest thing I think that's changed overall, at least, is it's just become a lot worse of a fit than we've thought. Not necessarily even a fit in Cliff's offense, because Cliff can build his offense around the player, even if it's not as mobile. But as far as with the whether it's the type of person that Rosen is, the type of person Kyler is, and I, and that's what more has been, you know, we're finding out and reaching out with people is like, why is it that you know Cliff is so sold on Kyler? And it's like there's a six year long relationship there going back to when he was in high school, you know, winning going 82 and was <laughs> one of the most productive high school quarterbacks in the history of the country with Kyler Murray and trying to get him when he went to Texas A&M trying to recruit him 
when he transferred and went to Oklahoma instead, trying to get him to come to Texas Tech with him, finally kind of having this opportunity. It's like that one guy who, like, you know, been working on, like, a business for years and years, finally gets the chance to take over the business and then steal someone from another company and then just knows, hey, I know that this guy is great at what he does. Production's going to take off. I could maybe work with this guy who's over here, but things are just not as much of a fit. Like, I want to lead in a different direction. He's not been as receptive, maybe. And uh, that's been part of what we've had as far as with a lot of the stuff is it's not been as much a knock on you know, it's not saying that Josh Rosen is awful. It's not saying that, you know, he's not a hard worker, not saying that he's... Uh, it's a ceiling thing, I think, at the end of the day. Yeah, it's, it's a ceiling thing for that one. And if you're going to say, hey, if we're going to be a team that could take, like, I think the, the, comp, the comp that I know Derek talked about was, if you've got an Eli Manning and a Jameis Winston type of a guy that you feel like Josh Rosen could be, you work and develop, and he gets to, like, that level of ceiling. Whereas you look at a Kyler Murray and see where he's like, hey, he's more accurate, he's quicker, more mobile. The ceiling, at least for that one, is higher. There's not bad habits about traits only thing that people are kind of concerned or worried about then is going to be is his size I've become a little bit less worried about that over time more from just watching and seeing how does he play the game is he going to be sliding is he going to be trying to run into people for that one when you're on those different types of draws and it's interesting because in some cases I looked at and watched him like he almost protects himself better than Rosen does because Rosen's that guy who he's willing to hang in the pocket take a hit and deliver the ball which is great some of that will lead to like the games where like you know you may have come out for a time with an elbow injury he got a concussion had some other questions that people had missed some games with his shoulder whereas Kyler you watch not only can he like run or get away like he'll be there where you could run plow through get the first down you know instead he'll just slide down or get down or get out of bounds no we know he knows how to slide he knows how to slide that was one of the things part of that was whenever I watched him like (laughs) that baseball contract he better slide because if he gets hurt and he doesn't get that baseball contract now it's going to turn to that's just something that's built into him as far as he knows that he's a smaller guy he can be quick and outrun people but it's almost an area of where and this is kind of the thing you can kind of come back around is being aware of the situation it's like hey you know it's third down for that one I'm in the pocket I want to try I'm running to extend the play hey no one's got me there's wide open space I can get the first down versus hey I'm running here for this one. oh perfect I'm gonna get as big of a play as possible that was the one thing that I had a, as a concern with Carson Wentz as far as when you're scouting the quarterback coming out because he got hurt trying to get into the end zone tears up his you know his leg for that one same thing happened in college he was trying to run to be able to get that whereas Kyler he'll run through and if it comes to the part where he's like hey I'm gonna take a big hit I know that the benefit of me being able to get out of bounds so I can last being that situation where so that's where I've got a little bit less concern other obviously is going to be always size concerns some height concerns is he going to have to drop back further and that's why I think it's made it a tough decision for people because you know you look at the mold of the NFL quarterback and Josh Rosen fit that mold really well there's you know obviously going to be questions that people have about a player no matter what they do but Josh Rosen fit that mold really well Kyler Murray does not he's an outlier especially in stuff like the arm size and you know a lot of these different traits it's just like even the fact that he's only started about 16 or so games I'm become less concerned with that over time usually the rules that they like to have through for a lot of scouts like to have 30 because if you want to be good at your job you have to have experience there's games that he's missed out on like even all of 2017 you know baker mayfield in front of him as a heisman trophy winner and he sat behind him for a year but because of the way the cba works and because of how it is where you're getting a guaranteed contract up front especially if you're a first round pick guys are declaring earlier guys are also getting more prep for the nfl just because of how advanced they're becoming with the offense nfl is adapting more of the college game 
So I think in some cases it's like, yeah, is it still a concern? Sure. Is it one that's maybe a bit less of a concern at least than it was a couple of years ago? And I think you look at a Mitch Trubisky and say, yeah, probably. Um, I, that's where I think when you're looking at this one, there's a fallout that's going to come. We'll talk a bit about that here on the podcast, but it's something where the more that I watch with a guy like Kyler Murray, it's weird to say, but it's like the more you kind of realize that, oh, there's things that I'm seeing here that are on tape that make sense as to if you wanted to say we're going to move on from Josh Rosen and you look back at it two or three years down the road, you might end up just looking and saying, hey, if we're convinced that Josh Rosen has a ceiling and he doesn't fit, whether it's the personality or the type of person, like he's, Josh is not a football guy. He's never been like a true football guy he's always been more interested like you know publishing the paper the economics having all sorts of interests like you know the men's like making tron legacy quotes at least from all those and it's great because we we appreciate and want people to have like interests that are there to be able to be outside of football but if that's not the core of who you are where you absolutely love the game steve kind of even talked about hey like we want guys who love and pursue and are passionate about the game and if josh is a guy who's you know if that's the case where they feel like he's not passionate about the game i don't know because i've never met the guy i can't talk to i don't want to make that judgment if that's what they're feeling, at least about Josh Rosen, then who am I to be able to say, if you see a guy who absolutely loves what they're doing and want to go after them, then that's fine. It's it's just, it's painful, John, because you traded up, you know, the first third and fifth. It's not a whole lot that you gave up to get him, but you still invested first round pick. You could have taken a Derwin James or someone there. It's just, it's rough when you're moving on for all of that, even though it's still like, you're like, people argue about, oh, is it a sunk cost? Sure, but it's still painful because when you're looking at this, you'd say 2013, 2014, picks no longer on the roster 2015 and 2016 and maybe even 2017's picks but this year with through uh, through Hassan Reddick if he can't put it together this year now you add in Josh Rosen you may not have a single first round pick that Steve Kime has made that would be on the roster for 2019 that may be crazy and a lot of people are questioning like his job the misses all these things it's just crazy and that's what part of the people are freaking out because it's like I don't know if I can trust Steve Kime to make this kind of decision it's 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 where the team chaos part really comes in where we're not putting emphasis enough on the chaos portion of how crazy it is to kind of come to this part and this uh, this decision overall even if it is the right decision it's just been a really painful part for the Cardinals to get to here oh sorry about that yeah that's a that's a lot to unpack Blake um I think that the transition to Kyler for the fan base would be easier if Steve Kime was not still the general manager <laughs> of the team. I think because you've given him so many opportunities to find blue chip players predominantly in the first round and with a Rosen trade, even if he were to get a first round pick for him, there's no way the Cardinals are going to get back the value that they spent a year ago. That being the 10th overall pick, a third rounder and a fifth rounder. Um, Kime is going to go over from 2013 to 2018 and none of his first round picks will have made an impact. None of them will have received second contracts with the team. And so I think that with this fan base, if they had brought in a new GM with Kingsbury and he had made the hire of Kingsbury and they're saying, okay, we're going to go all in with Kyler Murray. I think it's, it may be frustrating to some of us who still like Rosen, but we can grasp the concept easier. How many more opportunities is Steve Kime going to get to find, you know, the franchise quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, especially when, when most of us were clamoring for them to be more aggressive in the first-round quarterback market, you know, two or three years ago? How many of us thought that the year with Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes was the year to be aggressive and go up, and he all but ignored it? Um, just mentioned the af uh, aforementioned Hassan Reddick. 
And so last year they're in a position where we knew they probably would have to trade up if they wanted a guy. I mean, think about if they would have invested more, they would have invested their second and their first, or if they would have had to give up future first and, and they weren't picking first overall this year. There are so many different ways that that could have gone. And instead, we, we've kind of landed on this perfect storm where you get, you get this coach. And I, we've talked about it, Blake. I, I believe this to be true now, that when they were having conversations with Cliff Kingsbury and they made it a precedent to bring him on, they had to court him, right? They had to convince him mm-hmm. that the franchise was going in the right direction, that he would have control over you know, certain aspects of the personnel offensively, which I believe yep. he has. Um, I've, I'm absolutely 100% convinced that they had conversations that, to some effect, that how how married are you guys as a franchise to Josh Rosen? Because although I think I could elevate him, if you're if you're watching compare comparisons like you mentioned with Jared Goff, or or do you want to go for you know shoot for the stars and get a player the the caliber of Kyler Murray who could maximize my offense? Um, once and maximize, they, like, and, and maximize a lot of offense. Right, like, right. That's the thing that's kind of crazy about all of this is the more that you look at as far as seeing the prospect and like a lot of the stuff as far as like he's he's a really good prospect. Like it's not like the Cardinals are moving on to Tim Tebow. It's not like that they're taking on a guy who is like even like a Mitch Trubisky. With there's that mm-hmm. there's, there's some risk for that. Sure, but there was limitations and other stuff that we. Well, saw. I will say though, it's oh, yeah. he is, he's got concerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think there's, I think there are more concerns than people want to lay out because they're so infatuated with Murray. And he's he's a, a lot of fun to watch. He's also five ten. He's a he's a running quarterback in the history of the NFL. No dom dominant dual threat quarterback has ever won a Super Bowl. Yeah, you need Russell to have Wilson a pocket is, passer. Right. Pocket passer. Russell who Wilson is probably the, the closest you can get. And early, I mean, he had he had one of the best defenses that that we've seen over the course of the, the you know last two or three decades. He, he also has concern. I, I think he's got more concerns off the field than people are willing to admit. I think he's got a controlling dad. I think there are concerns yeah, with, him, it, yeah. with, him, with him flip-flopping between football and baseball. Let's say things don't go well for him or for the Cardinals the, his first couple years into the league. And the Cardinals like Kyler Murray, but Kyler Murray may be wavering and saying, okay, the Oakland A's are going to let me go straight to AAA. And I'm going to get out of this situation. We're five and ten or five and eleven every year. I mean, he's—they're going to be there. I think there are always going to be concerns unless he has immediate success. Yeah, and I think there'll be pressure to have immediate success. There's always going to be concerns with him to, if he's, if he's got people in his if ear. If he's got go his wrong, father, he's going to leave and go back. To right, and then you and then you're starting over, and you're so I, I think that and if you if you watch that Rich Eisen interview that he did in in late January, I know. There was no reason for him to come out and not say he was playing football or just saying, I'm going to go yeah, to the to combine. Quiet, because decisions. if he came out and said I was doing this or this or this, then all of a sudden the A's may just like, – Well, then don't, well, then don't yeah. take the interview. I just And yeah. then it was a very bizarre look for him. And I'm like, is that the guy that you want leading your franchise? Supposedly, they clearly have no concerns with it. They, they believe he can galvanize a locker room. You know, He's got a close relationship with a couple guys already on the team. Uh, Christian Kirk and he were, were teammates, I think, at Texas A&M when they were freshmen. I, I don't, I'm not concerned with him having a disconnect with, with players in the locker room. I think players will flock to him. I think, I think play, we've talked about this before, but like, I think players will look at him as making the team more relevant. I think that's one of the most underrated aspects of this entire thing, especially when you consider Michael Bidwell yeah, yeah, yeah. supposedly pushing for him. We heard this from um, multiple sources that Michael Bidwell – once Kyler Murray, once a lightning uh, rod for his franchise, the same way that I believe 
you know, Michael Vick was for the Atlanta Falcons, Cam Newton was for the Carolina Panthers, and it not not a race factor, but a but an electricity in the way that he plays that will get mm-hmm. people excited. You it was have the to same remember, thing with a Johnny Manziel. It was right. the same yes, thing. absolutely. Same thing even with a Baker Mayfield. Like when you look at like, oh, it's going to be Darnold, going to be Darnold. When Baker Mayfield went number one, it was like this electric thing because of what Baker did, not just in college, not just like the personality, just the way that he played. There was all these different things that went into it. Where, and some of that, at least honestly, is kind of like a factor of that you can galvanize a locker room. Well, the, Cardinals, the Cardinals scored 225 points last year, yep. which, which it, was by far the bad. worst in the NFL. Bad. And Josh Rosen was their quarterback. And while Blake, you and I believe that he he put them in positions to be successful, and it wasn't. I would probably put like ten percent of fault on him. From the mass majority of the people who weren't affiliated with this franchise, they want to connect the dots with the fact that the Cardinals had historically one of the worst offensive seasons of the past couple decades, and they're just going to plug and play Kyler Murray. And they're going to put up forty points. I do think that. Murray's ha- has a higher ceiling. I've never argued that. Mm-hmm. I, I always just believe that Rosen is the safer choice, and you've already invested in him, and you're bringing in this this coach that's that's supposed to be this quarterback guru. What is the problem with sticking with Rosen? It's not like there's an, in my opinion, there's an Andrew Luck. There's there's a franchise changing first overall pick. That's a that's a 99 out of 100. That's just mm-hmm. By far and away, one of the best quarterback prospects. Like if Trevor Lawrence continues to ascend and he's available, Murray has question marks for a lot of different reasons. But I, I just think that when when Kingsbury was brought on board, they made a commitment to him to to really consider this. They probably didn't promise it to him, but they said that they would consider it. And then you combine the fact that what you're hearing with with Rosen outside of the building it's probably going to make it more so that he's going to be and that's dealt. Real, and that's a good thing, too, in a lot of ways, because what we talked about, John, was the reason why we think Kingsbury and ultimately we heard was why he didn't pick the Jets was the Jets were dead set on getting Greg Williams as their defensive coordinator. And that's a spot where it's like, hey, if you're going to force some of these different things on here versus being able to talk and listen and work together like as a team, like he's like, I know that I've got a lot to learn, but I want to still have a voice in the room versus like people telling me what I can or can't do versus saying, hey, we're going to get a guy who's just – a head coach last year was an interim head coach who could will essentially battle you for power. Whereas it comes to the Cardinals and it's like, Hey, he went and was one of the people who was a huge part of the Vance Joseph interviews. They were like, wow, we were impressed with how thorough, how detailed he did. Like normally it'll be like, Oh, I've got my guy lined up. And instead it was, Hey, I want to make sure I get the right guy coming in. And some of that at least is part of that. Now I, I do want to address a little bit because we haven't talked as much about it. And I think this would be a good time to be able to like, um, <laughs> to be able to mention is a lot of people are still going off and saying, Hey, I don't, you guys are talking about like, it's a done deal with Kyla Murray. You guys are talking about like, it's not done. There's no guarantee. I still I think, think it's done. Oh, I'm not afraid to admit it. I think it's a done deal. Yeah. And part of the reason why for that is if well, here's the reason why I think for a lot of fans is it's not like you have to be like either convinced or talked into it. And some of it at least I think comes down to of fans want to still believe that Josh Rosen, if he's sitting there and he had a lot of things that were negative last year, that he's still going to be able to be a franchise quarterback. He can still be good. Maybe not the same ceiling as Murray. And I think ultimately the thing that we're hearing and have talked to with people for that one is, okay, Cardinals are not sold on Josh Rosen overall. That's the thing. They're not completely sold that he's a franchise quarterback. If you knew that Josh Rosen is not a franchise quarterback that your team doesn't think that's, that's the case of him, and there's another quarterback available, would you want to change? Now, some people say, well, if you're being told that, how do you know it's not a lie? And some of that is whether it comes into with the source and the other parts. But one thing that came back to my brain that I was having to think of was if the Cardinals think that Josh Rosen is a franchise quarterback, why would they have all of these things that would be like shared around the combine, either 
lying about that or interested in Kyler Murray because it was the biggest thing that didn't make sense and I kept essentially coming back to was you think Rosen's a franchise quarterback you're gonna piss him off by lying to all these people about this by essentially throwing him under the bus you're gonna be pissing him off just by meeting with him we we saw how Big Ben reacted just when the Steelers drafted Mason Rudolph in the third round last year it was just one of those areas of it's a really tentative nature and so if you're gonna basically be having to kind of flirt openly with another quarterback now I even wondered if hey maybe it's like they talked to Josh told him about it ahead of time but for all the serious consideration, I think a lot of it was, and this is the one part that makes sense, was you leak out and let teams know, hey, we might take Kyler Murray. And it's not because you're trying to get a team to trade up to number one, because if you want a team to trade up to number one and you're t- thinking of taking Kyler, but you want to measure and see how it is, you'd say, oh, we love Bosa. We love Bosa. Oh, that's what it is. And that way, if a team's like, oh, well, they're not going to take Kyler, then maybe we'd trade up or, oh, we want to trade back. There's so many other lies and angles that you could have done. The one that did make sense to me is if you say, hey, we're thinking about Kyler. We might draft him. We might. Uh, we don't know about all of this. It drives up the price for Josh Rosen because you've already had teams that have called to the Cardinals. Cardinals are not shopping him at this time. Cardinals may, you know, people saying they may not shop him. We'll see what happens because a lot of people are saying, hey, it might get done before OTAs is what some are saying. We've, but even in that sense of if you look at how things have lined up, if you go off of the basis of Cardinals are not sold on Josh Rosen and they can take a guy who they think may be a franchise quarterback in Kyler Murray. It just has to take making sure, crossing the I's, dotting the T's, making absolute sure that this is the guy. Then when you leak out, hey, we might take Murray, all of a sudden you get a bidding war for Josh Rosen. People start offering a third round pick. We've heard up to a second round pick. And then that way it still is kind of, hey, are they going to move on? I don't know. And then eventually once you kind of say, hey, this is going to be it, this is what it's going to happen. Then all of a sudden teams, oh, well, okay, they're going to have to take him. We can offer lower. So I think what they've done at least, and this is kind of a weird thing to say, is I think what they've done is they've handled it right where they're kind of trying to essentially in some cases, you know, salvage whatever the pick is and some of that is you know a lot of people don't want to look at it that way and I think the part of it is for me like I'm saying I feel like I know it's a done deal some of that is just from being able to flesh out and be able to know okay where is it coming from here's where it's coming from oh that's where it's coming from oh and they might not be sold on Rosen are are you sure it's coming from there and a lot of that I think at least is ultimately is when you're talking about with this being a total turnaround, a lot of people don't want to believe it. Like the comparison I think that I had is for me, and this is why I was so disappointed was for me, it felt like I was doing there and there's someone messaged me and said, Hey, just wanted to let you know, Blake, Santa Claus is not real. What? Like, what do you mean Santa isn't real? <laughs> I think that was where then it's like, no, no, you understand. I saw the cookies eaten last year. This was told. I think that was for me. If the Cardinals don't think that Rosen's a franchise quarterback, that's how I felt was just this disappointment, this uh, frustration, this kind of anger for all of that. And then having to say, hey, they might be taking a guy who was like 5'8", 5'10", <laughs> at the time was when we were hearing about it. Just like, no, this doesn't make any sense for that. And I think it's been over time of having to look at it and seeing the pieces together. It's This is going to be a really tough, like they know it's a franchise altering potentially decision. I don't think this is a... Michael Bidwell wants the newest thing. He doesn't want to splash. The splash is part of it, but he's not going to be that guy, I think, from what we've seen, who's just going to take whatever the new willy-nilly is and go after that one, dump it after a year. That doesn't seem to be the case for him, and that doesn't seem to be the case either for Steve Kime. Maybe some of that is a bit more accurate, but this is a spot where if the Colts can spend, you know, up to the draft between Ryan, you know, with between Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning, making sure that they don't miss. The Cardinals, I think, are going to flesh this out too because we know they did that last year. They went and put in a lot of time, a lot of work, a lot of effort, felt, hey, you know what, we're not going to have Rosen off our board. We think that he's a starting quarterback in this league. We need one. Brought him in. I think that this is a spot where a lot of it is Cardinals fans really don't have a lot of faith in Steve Kime. Like you said, John, that's yep. the biggest thing that makes it a really hard sell. Well, and you're also, I think a lot of Cardinal fans were uh, infatuated, excited about the possibility of, Joe, of Nick Bosa. 
and having events with Chandler Jones. Even, I think even that's, Quinn and Williams for the knee yeah, of the player. I, how much you can I think that's a big part of it. I think that Cardinal fans knew what they had in Rosen, where I think most of us feel like, okay, he can be a good player. You can you can elevate him, certainly, but you, you get him yeah, a competent build, offensive build the team staff. was what we talked about. You right. build the team around him for that one. Right. But, and then now we've got Rosen in the fold. He's on his rookie contract. They've got a little bit of money that they can spend in free agency. And then they have the first pick in the draft and the first pick in every round. And you get excited about a Bozer or a Quinn and Williams. And then now with, with, with going with Kyler Murray first overall, you're gifting all these possibilities that were supposed to be yours because you earned it, right? You were the worst team in the league by far. You're gifting all of those now to a division rival. And you've got to weigh the fact that do you want Nick Bosa, you know, wreaking havoc against your team for the better part of the next 10 years? Do you want to give San Francisco all these options because you can't figure out the quarterback position? I mean, like, how, and we've talked about it. How many franchises go back-to-back -back, uh, first round picks at quarterback, um, you know, two straight years? I, I, I think we've, it's been like 40 plus years back, you know, when it was like the NFL and the AFL before they had merged. I mean, it has not been something that's occurred in the in today's NFL um, for a long time. And I think that's difficult for Cardinal fans to, to grasp. It's and, and part of that is, too, we, we, we miss routinely on so many quarterbacks historically, and we, we've missed recently on so many first-round picks with Kime. Everything just kind of continues to, to boil over. And you're like, man, I want, to, I want to get excited about Kyler Murray, but I also don't trust this front office. And I also see improvements in the division. But I think at the end of the day, you go back to what we talked about. They were one of the worst offensive teams mm -hmm. in the history of the NFL. And when you are that embarrassing in today's NFL where the rules and are some of that was, And some of that was due to yes. Josh, too. Like, it wasn't like, yeah, it was like mean, you're he, watching Josh going out. Like, Josh, when you look at what he did last year, like, he never hit the 300 yards in the game. It wasn't just because of, you know, the right. passes that we saw, like the Seattle game. It was like, wow, this guy could be really, like, great. And then, but when you watch the other games that was there, it was like, I had called He has to play within the refines of a, of a, of a structured offense that can help elevate him. Yep. He did not have that. Yep. And he had even times where there was, right. you know, missed opportunities. Late throws. You know, there was other I, times where it's like you had some other experience, and it was hard because you saw Josh Allen at some point seem to kind of get the way that he worked. You saw it with Darnold. Well, but he, but I, I would argue he, yeah. he, he wins in a different way. I yes. do not think he's it's got mobile running around. The sustainability is the right. one question. But Same you with saw Jackson. Yeah, but yeah, you saw but, enough that he did where you're like, especially even with the the Minnesota Vikings game, he took off, ran for over 100 yards in that defense. You're like, okay, so here's a skill that we have that we can build around. Like you're at least able to. Build around well, especially early, the early years in the NFL when, you're, when your offense isn't up to snuff, when you don't have the pieces around you, where you're still learning to be a quality intermediate passer and you have to rely on your legs. legs. Allen and Lamar have that advantage where that you would hope that they can improve as you know, traditional throwers of the football. But in the meantime, again, like Russell Wilson did, I, I would argue early in his career, he made plays on his feet and then yep. eventually became an elite pocket passer. And Rosen he was a good does not have that, for yeah. that too. Yep, good pocket passer Rosen, to begin with for a lot of that too, yeah. Rosen does not have that that trait. And so he's already behind the eight ball. But I would I would argue to, to the Cows come home that what he was playing with, especially the back half of last year, those last couple games, that offensive line was not preseason worthy. Pete Prisco has come out and said that it was the worst offensive line he's ever seen fielded yep. in an NFL game. And so you, so it's, that's why it's difficult for me to go off of statistics alone when you see the big money throws, especially like think about his first couple starts last year against Seattle, 
like how well he played in those games, how much he was put at a dis- disservice because of his play calling, because of drop passes, because of his supporting cast. Think about if that game had gone differently and people had pulled in, you know, three or four catches and they were able to win that game and you have some momentum, but mm-hmm. the wheels just fell off so quickly. Yeah, and I think that they were, they were always playing from behind. Nothing seemed to go right. But again, you want to make the argument that Rosen is not the kind of player that can that can put a team on his back. Yep. Like I'm, I I can accept that. And that's but the I, that's the biggest thing. When I went back and looked at a lot of the stuff as far as Rosen, where were the biggest? I ever even wrote down what were the three biggest areas that he needed to improve in. The first one that was the most obvious was he was late on a lot of the throws. Like some of that was the offense was poorly designed where they had comeback routes. The ball had to get out there. Wasn't getting out there on time, but it was also a spot of, and I think this is even broken down of where there were like these deep, long, hard to hit comeback routes where it's like, you really just like, it's, it was old school NFL football when people are used to playing back or having to kind of cover the run. Now it's a pass happy league. Mike McCoy just was not in a good spot where his offense was just poorly designed. And that was some of why it was such an issue. Um, he was late on a lot of those throws for some of them. Like this, the best way you can look at it was sometimes there would be watching Josh Rosen. He'd do the right thing, but it'd be a split second too late. The DB would be able to close and be able to make the playoff of. And I think that was the one thing was, okay, he needs to speed up the game maybe and get the game to slow down for him. So some of that is, you know, whether it's the processing and some of that can be helped with coaching at least for, Hey, if he's not here, then boom, 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 have this option. They didn't have some of that there. Maybe it was that it was hard to work with where everything kind of was like, Hey, we set Josh up for success. This play was available. He was just, late some of that might be a factor second thing I think he needed to work with was when you have the idea of structure a lot of times with quarterbacks like the way that the NFL is built now you've got coverage and the way that it's played the quarterback a lot of times is unaccounted for even a Tom Brady can move sometimes and be able to like say oh hey no one's accounting for me I can go ahead and can scramble and can get that first down or run out of bounds or being able to understand hey I understand that if I'm going to be able to be in a position where there's going to be a relief or an outlet option like maybe my third read or if things start to break down to be able to make plays put balls in accurate spots or be able to make a play happen outside of that structure Josh struggled a lot the last one this is the one that was most concerning to me was he was one of the last or the last person in the NFL when it came to the blitz and when we talk about with smart quarterback play and a lot of people said hey could Rosen yeah, as far getting, as the, getting the ball out early getting the ball out and being able to recognize a lot of that so when the pre-snap read comes in you can have your pre-snap read the post-snap is when they blitz or back off so what happens is that you have that read and react action you have so in other words one of the easiest things I saw was hey there's a game that Rosen has they're blitzing off the left side in the Falcons game they blitz there's a player who's going to come uncovered and open into that area that they're vacating it's super easy as soon as you see guys that are coming in from the blitz you know where to get Kurt Warner was one of the best quarterbacks and Tom Brady's like this too they invite the blitz you saw this even last year with um, playoffs, Phillip Rivers. Teams that invite the blitz, Rivers knows, great, they're blitzing me from this side. I know get the ball from here over into that spot that's been vacated. And Josh just wouldn't see it, whether it was the timing or things were too slow, whether it wasn't recognized. And so the well, best, he started to yeah. see ghosts too as the season. And some of that was starting to see ghosts too. And so some of that at least is if you're going to be a pocket who's gonna, a guy who's going to stay in the pocket, take the hit and get the ball, you have to be willing to not just pull it down or to be able to wait, but you have to know and recognize that. And there were times that he was lost. The times where Josh Rosen looked the best that he played, this is part of why I've been you know, excited to bring in Cliff Kingsbury, was 
whenever you got into a no huddle or quick up-tempo offense and teams yeah. wouldn't be able to blitz because it's boom, 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 he just looked like a different quarterback. Like you got to see the end of the, the game, the end of the season before there was a drop pass. You look at the end of the Niners game, all up-tempo offense. They just did not run a lot of up-tempo throughout the game. And a lot of that was ultimately another factor we talked about with Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes wanted to control clock, run the ball, be able to try to limit stuff, play defense. And that's part of why the Cardinals were so terrible was when you couldn't stop the run and you're going three and out in your possessions because, hey, we got to run the ball on first down to keep the clock. Okay, it's second and 11. We run the ball again. Okay, now it's third and 11. We're going to run the ball again. Okay, our offensive line gave up a play for that or they blitzed someone on third down. Josh didn't get rid of the ball or it's incomplete or a drop. Then you run into a problem where the Cardinals really, the way that they'd structured and built their team around was not built up to help Josh Rosen succeed and Rosen ultimately part of why it was a bad season was he wasn't putting them in position to succeed either whether it's talking about as a rookie or as a player and that's where there's a lot of people questions that Rosen essentially this year is a blank slate it doesn't mean that he's not going to maybe become a starting quarterback or maybe in a franchise level but you also have to say at a blank slate that doesn't mean that he's going to progress or advance for some of that too I think that's where the Cardinals have come in to be able to uh, to look at some of this decision. Uh, and I guess, John, that's the thing that's kind of the biggest thing for me is if you're at a spot where you're hitting the reset button, you've already let go of Steve Wilkes, you've let go of all these different players who are part of the Wilkes and you're hitting the reset button, you're looking Absolutely. at the Cardinals team, you're essentially going to be looking at Josh Rosen here and saying, look, this is his second year. It's basically his rookie year all over again. We're limited with our dead cap from what we've been able to do with having to we've made trades where we've been able to get starters back we've had to sign guys on defense maybe we could add a Bosa or Williams but if we've had to hit the reset button this year if there's a better option potentially on the table at quarterback and we're hitting the reset button knowing it's going to be a two-year rebuild process by the time we can compete Rosen's got two years left of his rookie year contract if he has another bad year we're going to year three maybe it's year three he gets it and then it goes to year three and it's like oh gosh like he was good and successful, but that's because the defense was good. The offensive line was good. We, we don't know about Josh. If it turns into that Blake Bortles and the Jaguars in 2017 type situation where you're saying, hey, the team is finding success. We don't know how much of it's coming from Josh. All of a sudden, you're going to start to just say, hey, we, we had a, an opportunity that we, we could have had. If you're hitting the reset button, you're going to do it. You're only going to have to pay Josh $4 million extra for this season. You paid his $10 million signing bonus. I know we had some of the numbers that came out earlier were saying it's going to be an $8 million cap hit. That's true. It's an $8 million cap hit, but what we didn't factor in, this is something that I talked with some people with the Cardinals. We kind of messed this up. So sorry about that as far as for some of those numbers that were reported, but you're already having to pay Rosen 4 million, no matter what, if you cut him, you just add 4 million to that. So really whether he's on the roster or not, it's not as big of a deal. If you're no, I don't think, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a money. money it's hit not a money. Thing. Yeah, it's, it's not, not like going to hamper you. $8 million taking that off. It's a huge cap hit for that one. Plus whatever you're paying him, you can't bring in an extra offense. Line. It's only the $4 million cap hit. And then if you're taking that hit this year, another team may be willing to pay for some of that it, it turns it kind of into a spot of with the Cardinals if they're deciding to make this move because the rookie quarterback contract is so cheap and so that this is like the first team that really has ever spent a top 10 pick and has, is moving on because they're not tied to Josh Rosen it's not like you went and signed well, you've already you've already wasted a year of, of Rosen's eligibility last year anyway I think that you, most teams after you take a rookie quarterback year two your mindset is we're going to try to add pieces. We're going to try to be competitive. And with the Cardinals, like that's not possible, even with Rosen. And I, I yep. do not blame folks for wanting to hit the reset button again. Not and then all. having Murray, Murray's clock starts now. You've got five years of cheap labor, assuming he, you're going to pick up that fifth-year option. 
with Rosen, you've already lost a year of eligibility, and then yep. you're assuming in 2019 you're going to be hopefully improved. It's hard not to be improved, but you're not going to be competitive. You're not going to be a playoff team. You would think even with Rosen, even with you know a bounty of new players via the draft. And so I can see, I can see the mindset. I can also see if you push it down. And we compared Rosen a little bit to Jameis. And if you're hovering around mediocrity. Let's say, let's say, it, let's say it goes from the Jameis to, I know, the Cutler is the low-end comparison. Right, or a Tannehill or somebody all. like that who is not considered a, a top 10 to 12 franchise because, quarterback. Because if you're the Cardinals consider Josh Rosen to be that, then you wouldn't be hearing a lot of these. And that's the biggest thing. A lot of people are saying, well, you need to trust who the source is, where they're coming from for the lying. I think the biggest thing, a lot of stuff that I had to figure out was, okay, is there advantage for the Cardinals to lie on this? Sure, there was. There's also advantages for telling the truth and a lot of different well, things as far so as that, why so would some of these forward. people, are they trying to deceive you? Are the sources, and some of it is when you know like where the sources come from, where they're, where they're saying some of that stuff from. It's like, hey, it's like, is this like, legit is this like a person who was like oh we told like you know a guy like a pauline or something it's overwhelming and some of that is coming from the fact that like you know we, we got one of the things that we have as far as with cardinals players the cardinals players ultimately like I, I think when you're like looking at them some players are like wanting to you know stick with rosen because they want to compete next year they don't want a rookie quarterback that's where that was the same argument we saw last year with sam bradford it's the same argument that was in the draft day movie for those of you who've seen it which is funny how similar i think i even mentioned on twitter this week how similar it is there's some players i think who are going to be ultimately like expecting that the team will take kyler because that's just the way that the building seems to be drifting with not just from everything the media is saying which is deafening and that's the tough part some people are like hey last year the Cardinals were, you know, like the, the Browns were not telling people which quarterback it was. Some people said Darnold or Allen. People knew like the night before. Some of that was because I think Hugh Jackson was going to tell Mike Silver as soon as he knew who it actually was. And then the whole world knows. The other thing I think that was a part of it, then this is the thing that's different was if the Cardinals don't need a quarterback, why would they lie about, you know, potential interesting Kyler Murray? It was the one thing that I kind of kept coming back to was if they're convinced that Josh Rosen's a franchise quarterback versus thinking, hey, either he's maybe not already a bust, but he's average or isn't going to be like that and and that was the one thing that I, I went back to last year I looked at some of the notes that I took down the biggest thing that was kind of a concern for me the first time that I had any type of concern was when I went to camp and I looked at Josh Rosen he got pretty cleanly beat out by Sam Bradford like it wasn't a competition or close like Bradford was on time he was more accurate he struggled with the deep ball where like everything that he threw past like 15 yards like basically got picked or was gone but overall, it was just kind of the first thing of this is kind of interesting. Like I was talking with a friend of mine who uh, he's kind of done a lot of the stuff with whether it's pro scouting or for some of the other areas. Like he's a guy who like knows his stuff has worked with football. And he's like, hey, the biggest thing I'm saying with Rosen, with your boy there, he's he's got a concern for that. Like he's got extra hitches he's throwing in. He's double clutching the ball. Like he's not sure of what he's seeing out there. And so some of that, maybe you can say the offense, but if you're a guy who's coming in as the most pro-ready quarterback, you're not sure of what you're seeing, you're missing stuff or being inaccurate, you're getting kind of outplayed. And we saw how terrible Sam Bradford was when it hit the actual season. That was kind of a cause for concern. And Rosen, when it was in season, obviously we saw he was an improvement on what Bradford saw and what everything was. And I, I just think it was just one of those different spots of when you kind of put together and paint that picture for a lot of that. I think a lot of fans don't want to hear for some of that. Some of fans I know are – you know, still struggling with it. And for me, it's, it's been a struggle up until this point too. The biggest thing that I think has changed for me was if you can kind of go and say, here's, here's the case. If you believe Kyler Murray has superstar potential and you look at the stats and video and a lot of those things, as far as that and say, okay, you may be right on this. There's risk for that. When you look at Josh Rosen and measure some of the different stuff up and you say, Hey, if we're going to add in and say there's whispers of that, he may not be one of those guys from within the Cardinals or that there's not a fit that you're going to see with the personality and the staff 
put those two things together, all of a sudden it's, oh gosh, like this may actually be something that's happening, not because teams are leveraging. Like a lot of the stuff that we've heard, at least that I've heard was Gruden would love to get Kyler Murray. He's just like, I don't think I'm going to be able to get him because he's just that good of a prospect. And because of all the things in the league that are going on, you know, with people questioning, wondering with Rosen, it's the two of the things you can kind of put together. And what's rough is that a lot of Cardinals fans are like, I even mentioned this, like you better be sure on Kyler is what I said, because if you miss on Kyler, you trade Rosen. I don't think that there's a chance as much as with after this year with that Rosen may end up having success as a starter. I don't think that it's going to be a superstar level of success. Um, I think that not that it goes without saying, but it's like we, we've seen some of those different aspects where guys can turn around, become maybe a top 10 quarterback like Jared Goff for that one, but there's still obviously a ceiling we've seen. And if you're going to be looking at that combination of, you know, he's not going to end up being kind of that type of a star and Kyler might all of a sudden it turns into a spot of, well, if it's that clear for each of the different ones for that one and they're passing up about you, you better be darn right about it for each of those. And I think part of it is that the Cardinals, if they're going to be making this move that with the conviction, it's not like it's going to be a split building to take a quarterback at number one to give up roads. You'd have to be that sold on Kyler Murray to be able to move on from Josh Rose. And the fact that it's almost universal and deafening for a lot of people and people like saying, Oh yeah, we're talking to sources close to the situation, close to the Cardinals, all these different things like that one if the Cardinals are pumping out all that information for all those different things like that one, and they choose to go ahead and draft Nick Bosa at one, you're all of a sudden going to basically be having all the stuff that's gone the whole off season with Josh Rosen, where, you know, I would be very, very scared. Like it would almost be at this different point of it's almost better for you to get rid of Rosen, because I don't know if you can repair that relationship, John. Like if I had found out that my bosses were talking about firing me behind my back and I said, Hey, you know what? The person we bring on a replacement is too expensive. We're going to go ahead and keep it. When someone told that to me, I would be like putting in my resignation. That's the thing that's kind of scary, at least about some of that is it's reached a deafening point where it's almost, I don't know if you can keep Josh. And that's the thing that a lot of fans like aren't talking as much about is, Hey, can you keep Josh at this point? Like, it's like, well, he'll have to buck it up. And I would be like, Hey, no, like you wanted to flirt with another quarterback trade me if another girl i see a show up at a party she's flirting openly with another guy and we just got engaged i'm like give me the ring back you know that's that's the one thing that i'm coming back to in all of this one is it's like why i think people are looking at it is that there's a bridge that's been burned there john yeah there's no repairing this relationship at this point i think that had you given rosen your word early on the offseason that you were going to explore trade from the first pick to maybe the fourth pick you were trying to entice somebody like oakland to move up you can be in Josh's ear and saying, hey, ignore all this. You're our guy. We're not going to move you. This is just us trying to j- drum up smoke to get you more help. And that's how I would have phrased it. But again, I think we've missed that window. I think the window for a trade down is gone. And so basically now you've got Rosen with potentially deleting pictures off his Instagram, saying that he was hacked. Everything in the media basically picking Rosen's game apart. And I think Rosen probably feels a lot of hostility toward the franchise. Like you set me up for, you know, a disastrous rookie season. You had an inept coaching staff, my offensive weapons. You know, he, he sees the comparisons to Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. And you could make an argument those those quarterbacks, especially Baker, had much more to work with, an offensive coach, um, significantly better personnel, especially on the offensive line. I would even argue the Jets had – um, better, you know, offensive line personnel than the Cardinals did. I don't think that's even comparable. Um, I, I do think Rosen was in the worst position. I, I, I'm sure that that's how he feels. And so when you when you factor all of those those points together, um, there is hostility with Rosen because I think that in his mind, probably with the season ending, he probably just assumed the Cardinals are going to come out and say, 
We did Josh a disservice. You know, everybody has to play better around him. We're going to upgrade the offensive line. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. We're going to get him an offensive head coach. And it's kind of been the opposite to some extent. You've seen Steve Kime maybe not take as much of the blame as, as maybe the Cardinal fan base would like him to. You saw Michael Bidwell defend Steve Kime in that end-of-the-year presser. And you turn around and you kind of put the blame on Steve Wilkes. And he had a lot of the blame. But you put the blame on Steve Wilkes. You get rid of him. Kime gets to keep his job. And now you're almost kind of forcing Rosen. You are forcing Rosen out the door. You're going to trade Josh Rosen. And so you look at all these variables and it's like, well, Wilkes was here for a year and Rosen was here for a year, but what's the common denominator on the franchise and the roster being in the position that it is? And it's Steve Kime's inability to draft and develop blue chippers in the first round to find these, these impact players, to, to build this offensive line, to find a stable of quality receivers or, or anybody capable at the tight end position. And so yeah. I'm sure that there's hostility around Rosen just based on the fact that, okay, he came out, he had a lot of bravado when, during, during his exit from UCLA. He, he made it clear, I'm the best quarterback in this class. He went yep. fourth. The Cardinals, depending on who, who, you, yep. who, you, who you believe, preferred Baker Mayfield, preferred Josh Allen, maybe kind of settled for Josh Rosen, but they did trade up for him. They immediately started to show him the love. They traded up for him. You know, they, they released all that, you know, information, all those videos about how Bradford was going to – was going to mentor Rosen. Everything that we heard last summer was how great Rosen looked in camp. Um, I, you know, I remember stuff from June and July of last year that basically said Rosen has an outside shot at rookie of the year based on how good he looks. I think, at, you know, if you remember that Saints preseason game, him going down and scoring a touchdown, a lot of us thought, just start him. Let him, let him get his you know, feet wet. Let's see what he can do with the starters. And then they just botched the entire thing. And so now we're at a point where we really I, – I still believe a lot of people don't know what they have in Josh Rosen. I think his upside is higher than others. And so gifting him away to a franchise after you've given up so much draft capital last year is, is lunacy in my mind. I, I firmly still believe – I don't think they will, but I, I would be hard-pressed to, to, to deal him for anything outside of a really a top 40 pick because, in yeah. my opinion – What's going to happen is you're going to give him to a franchise that's got stability, like an L.A. Chargers. Somebody like that who's got a franchise quarterback in place Rosen can learn from. Um, if it's, in, him, it's, in, it's in L.A. It's, it's where he's from, right. too. That's if part you of give it. him to, to New England, if you're basically telling, telling everybody that we can't get the most out of Josh Rosen, but you know who can? Bill Belichick. And that you're, you're, you're basically – you're going to be up against scrutiny wherever he goes. And I know, Blake, you just mentioned that – we don't see him lighting the world on fire. Will he become his best self somewhere else? It very much depends on where he goes. If he goes to a Washington, if he goes to a New York Giant, I think a lot of us are going to hamper our expectations just based on how those franchises are run. That Right now, they're very comparable to Arizona. But you gift him to a blue-collar franchise. I've seen Pittsburgh being floated out there. It's going to come back and burn you even if Kyler has some success. The only way this works out, in my opinion, for the Cardinals – is that you give Rosen away, he goes on and has a you know stay a solid career, but he's nothing special. And then in turn, Kyler becomes your the best quarterback in franchise history in terms of that you draft and develop outside of like a Kurt Warner. And then also that pick that you got for Rosen, wherever that's at, becomes a good solid player for you. That's the only. There's so many variables where the Cardinals can't win this. And there's only really one in which they can. And I, 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 I firmly believe it's like 
If he goes on and has success somewhere else and Kyler flames out, that sets your franchise back at least five years. Because right now, you're investing in Kyler Murray for the next minimum four years, assuming he can stay healthy. And then if he doesn't work out and Rosen goes on to be a 10-year vet and you got to watch him compete potentially in the NFC against you, I mean, that's, that is one of, it's going to become one of the most – one of the most scrutinized decisions, I yep. think, in the history of the NFL, because we've mm-hmm. never, oh, yeah. we've never seen this dynamic before. So, but clearly, they've weighed that at this yep. point. They feel like they they feel like even if they trade Josh Rosen to somebody who's a competent NFL franchise, that he's not going to come back and burn them because they have that much really promise and hope within Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. And I, and I think part of that also is they also have that little faith in Josh Rosen to say, we're not even going to have to give him a chance. We're already ready to move on. That's which is, which is scary because you just, yeah, your GM just let him trade. You just yep. traded up for him. Your GM yep. who's still in the building gave up premium draft capital to trade up for him. And now you're pushed. What does that say about Steve? I think this is, this whole thing is the biggest indictment of Steve Kime. It's and nobody hard wants to, to talk about it. And that's part of it is some people don't want to believe. Some people, it's a huge indictment. The one thing that I'll say, at least, and this is kind of the biggest thing of, if the Cardinals in 2018, if you look at how the Cardinals worked from when Steve Kime was first hired in 2013 up to their 2016 season, everything that they did was built around the identity of with Bruce Arians, where he said, we're going to have, we know exactly who we are. We're going to be a team that, we're going to work on with running the football, but we're going to be the team that takes deep shots. We're going to blitz and go all out in defense. They built the identity around that head coach. Everything that they did was built around that. Now, where they missed was in a lot of cases where you looked at their early round misses, like Cooper got hurt, Buchanan, great player for everything that was worth. What happened was that the league in some kind of cases changed where you couldn't have these light linebackers anymore. He got hurt for some of that. You drafted DJ Humphreys, who obviously is a guy who ended up working in some cases weird to say like he didn't work out because of injuries, but you know, they took him from knee deep to being a starting tackle. Like he's a guy, I don't think he's going to get just a one year deal. I think he may get a one year deal, but I think that a team is going to look at him and say, Hey, if he stays healthy, I'll get him a one year deal. A second. Plus year he's option. so young still. He's still so young. Like he was drafted at like 21. And so that was one of the craziest things. So, and then you look at where they've missed the most has been with taking a guy in a running back, like Brennan Williams, moving him to corner moving Dale Buchanan from as a safety, having him bulk up a bit to play linebacker, and then moving Hassan Reddick, a guy who was a pass rusher who got tackles for loss, moving him to play linebacker. He just mentally has never been able to really adjust to being able to play like that in coverage. He's only looked at his best when he's able to blitz, run at the quarterback, and make plays in the run game. Everything else has just been – it's been off. So last year was the year, and I summed up that they did not have an identity on offense because they said, hey, we're going to be flexible and adjust everything. There was no identity. They were running up the middle with David Johnson. They couldn't do a power run. They didn't know where they were throwing it deep. They just didn't know who they were. The play calls that would be there as far as for each of the different areas, when you looked at was just running this 11 personnel on defense. Their whole thing was trying to build around these gap schemes. We're going to try to have takeaways. And ultimately, the team just did not have an identity. And part of that, I think, falls back to the lack of leadership from Mike McCoy not setting up or establishing an identity, not knowing who they were. They were a team that should have been throwing the ball to David Johnson on third down, running it with, you know, two guys trying to get David Johnson into space. Instead, they forced it into the scheme of we're going to run David Johnson up the middle every single game. No, that's not what you want to do. They, on defense, they had a team that was a 3-4. They shifted it to a 4-3 instead of, hey, we're not going to have, you know, beating your one-on-one you know, beating your one-on-one matchups. We're going to try to focus on gap schemes, beat that guy. And it just turned into a spot where teams just ran up the middle because as soon as one guy gets beat, the whole rest of the defense broke down. 
if Steve Kime is going to learn from that and they're going to build around the identity of Cliff Kingsbury and around the identity of what Vance Joseph brings of build up your defensive line with edge rushers and pass rushers, stop the run at least up the middle, and then focus on strong cornerbacks in the backfield who you're able to kind of cover down the field and then scheme up your linebackers for the most part, have one guy that you know is your mic who can move guys around. If that's the identity that we're starting to see them build on an offense you build around Cliff, maybe there's going to be some success of getting back to that stage. So that's the thing is I think that there's been issues the Cardinals had, and I totally agree with you. It's an indictment of time, not building around that identity. If you're going to end up saying, and for me, I think this is the case is you might have to have it where maybe it's Cliff and their offensive coaching staff that people are raving about the Cardinals offensive line coach that they have for some of that. If you're going to be building around that type of here's our identity, we're going to be this explosive team with big plays for that one. We're going to be bringing a lot of stuff as far as with, you know, getting good pass rushers so we don't have to bring the house on these blitzes and having great secondary play. If that's going to be your team identity that you're building for, there's, I think there's opportunity then for the Arizona Cardinals, as long as they get the quarterback pick right to be able to kind of create and build more. And then you're building around the identity of not just having to say, we're going to be, you know, trying to get the most out of Josh Rosen, but we can then embrace everything that Cliff Kingsbury wants to do with his offense and scheme. Then I say, yeah, you know what, even if your identity is wrong, I'd rather be building toward that identity than having no identity at all right and compromising what you want to do offensively I think that that's the biggest thing is Cliff I don't know if he looks at Rosen as a compromise of what he can do but clearly he looks at Kyler and says if you want to get the most out of today's NFL and my offense and be able to put up you know ram-like numbers I need a quarterback like Kyler Murray Rosen is not good enough and so when you have another factor that's interesting is if the Cardinals stick with Rosen and you're a middling team and you know that you're never probably going to win a Super Bowl unless you just hit on every draft pick and Rosen can can make enough plays, you're probably going to be picking somewhere between five to thirteen or something like that where you're you're never terrible like you were, mm-hmm. but you're never going to have an opportunity to get that marquee blue chip quarterback. And I'm sure they're considering that now saying, how many times are we going to have flame out seasons like we just had, right? How many times are we going to be in a position to pick first overall where we have the opportunity to draft the best quarterback in this class who we think is a franchise altering quarterback? Clearly not enough teams felt that Rosen was that player last year. And so if you want to, if you want to roll the dice and go with Rosen again, which I have been a big advocate for, you know that unless you have a similar season to what you just had, which is would take a lot, right? You're not going to be in a position to get a Trevor Lawrence or a tour or somebody like that. Maybe a Justin Herbert. These guys are going to go between one and three in the next couple of years. And the Cardinals don't see themselves picking in that realm. They see themselves now having the worst season, probably in franchise history, having the number one pick. And they're going to go ahead and take the best, what they believe is the best quarterback prospect in this class. And one that, frankly, I'm sure we can agree on now. They have a higher grade on Kyler Murray right now than they did on Josh Rosen a year ago. I think that's, I think that's 100% evident. And at the end of the day, it's a quarterback league. No one player in Vegas is worth more than a point other than quarterback. It makes so much, it makes so much of a difference on and off the field. And so we can – we can cry and scream about the fact that we're not getting Nick Bosa and it sucks or we're not getting Quinn and Williams and we're using more capital on a quarterback. But the Cardinals, again, were historically bad offensively. They've got some, they've got some decent pieces defensively. We like a couple of their pieces offensively, but they need so, they need so much help that 
you can only sell it to your fan base one way. Kyler Murray, they believe, is a franchise-altering player. And in today's NFL, when the Chiefs are outscoring people and they're, they're <laughs> winning games 45-40, to 40, you can sell that to your fan base. Like, why do we need another – like, the Chiefs are giving away defensive – they got rid of D4. They got rid of Justin Houston. Their, their defensive personnel is average at best. And they're, they're considered a co-favorite to win the AFC next year. They're, they're considered that because of Patrick Mahomes and the offense they've put together. D, you, you, you hate to say it now, but defense is so much situationally, you just have to be not embarrassing, right? You have to be c- competent. And I think the Cardinals view themselves as saying, okay, we've got Terrell Suggs. He wants to play two more years. We've got Chandler Jones. We've, we've, we've made some upgrades to our secondary. We think we can be good enough. We think Vance Joseph can get the most out of this unit. Let's just put all of our chips on the offensive side within this draft. Let's go. I can definitely see them looking at this draft and saying, you know what? It's got some great pass rushers up front. We don't need one. We need instant offense. Let's go Kyler Murray. Let's run him back with pick 33. Let's take a receiver. Let's go best available offensive lineman with the, with the Rosen pick that you, you're going to get. To me, I – I don't love the strategy, but I can, I can, I'm starting to wrap my head around the fact that they know where the league is trending and they believe that Kyler Murray is going to give them an equal chance to win every Sunday. Even if the defense doesn't travel, even if the run game isn't there, when you've got a player like Kyler who can make plays with his feet who, who can rally he plays with his arm. Like we haven't even right. talked about like the arm talent. Like there's some of the times where I'm watching, it's like, like when we talked last year, John, part of the reason why we love Baker so much was this freakish accuracy level where it's just like, ball would be in this perfectly placed spot. You're just like, how does he, how did he do that? Mel Kuyper has come, has has come out and said that he is, yeah. he is the, he is the best dual threat quarterback he has ever seen. How much, and we talked about at the beginning of the pod, how much, how much stake do you put in that, right? Is that sustainable? Can he play for 10 to 15 years? But when you have an opportunity to get a playmaker like him, I mean, if Mel Kuyper, who's been around the NFL a long time, he's not great with quarterbacks, keep keep that in mind. But when he comes out and says he's the greatest dual threat quarterback he's ever seen, when Joel Klatt calls him a better quarterback prospect than Michael Vick, like – I can see where they get excited about him. Do I have concerns? Absolutely. Do I think he's a surefire, you know, 10-year starter in this league? I, 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 have, I have concerns like when RG3 came out and had in, immediate success and then flamed out because of injuries. But I think you can make an argument because of how Kyler is built. He's a little bit more compact. He's always, I will say this, if you follow him on Instagram, social media, he's <laughs> always in the weight room. He's, putting, he's trying his best to put on weight his, his upper body is, and his lower body for that matter, are bulkier and more compact, obviously, because he's shorter than Robert Griffin was. So he, is, he doesn't have the weight of Baker Mayfield, but, he's, but you compromise a little bit of that weight for a guy who can run 4-4. I mean, if you put on the highlight tape against Texas, he, I think he break like a, like a 70-yard run on a scramble. Yeah outside the pocket. I mean, it just, he does think no one was able to catch him. That was, what was kind of cool about. So right. that was just like, They've Oh, got five-star wow. player every, everywhere. Five-star yeah. players everywhere coming out of high school, guys who are going to play at the next level and they couldn't touch him. Right. And so can he progress as a pocket passer? Can he hold up physically? These are all legitimate questions. Yeah, and some of and some of the pocket passer stuff when you see and look at that, like he's at a like a really high level as pocket passer. It's the little inconsistencies, like oh, if he's under pressure, like sometimes he'll tuck the ball and run too soon. They kind of cave in. It's kind of like the the way of being able to use and utilize some of that where he always looks to extend the plays. Or sometimes that he'll pull the ball down. Other times he'll trust his arms, throw the ball late across the field, 
gap window closes. He's got such a heck of an arm that the arm can make up for a lot of those things. Well, like, he's gonna he's gonna go from having potentially the best personnel offensively like some college guys, football yeah. to the worst personnel in the NFL. Certainly from an offensive line standpoint. Now, if they upgrade Blake, if they add a if they add a Nikhil Harry in the first round, if they're able to get Nikhil Harry. And you can trot out Christian Kirk, Nikhil Harry, and Larry Fitzgerald, and David Johnson. It's a hell of a starting point. But from an offensive line standpoint, compared to what he had last year at Oklahoma, it is going to be night and day. And how he how he is able to elevate that group. We've my only hope is we've seen it with Deshaun Watson, who I I believe is a better probably a better pocket thrower, not the caliber of athlete Kyle Murray is. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. Murray Murray is a is a better athlete coming out, but Deshaun Watson makes the most of his situation in Houston, and you could argue his offensive line is really maybe a notch just above Arizona. They're terrible up front. They've talked about making it a priority, but because Deshaun Watson is such a special player, Scott Hopkins, but nothing really out of the run game, he's elevated that team. They were a playoff team last year. I think the same arguments you use on Deshaun Watson elevating his his roster – Elevating that offensive line, you can do with Kyler Murray, and that's what gives me hope. Now, the concern, Blake, in turn, is Deshaun Watson's starting to, to get beat up a little bit. He's missed some games. Yeah, they've they're just been terrible. you got to at least get a good line in front. That's something that we saw with the Seahawks in some cases, was they had a good line to start off with. They brought in Tom Cable. Whoops. Uh, oh, well, here we go. And then yep. the rest started taking a traded lot their less. Cent- traded their center away. I mean, yep. it was the Cardinals have to make an investment up front and the, the, the tough part is, is they're not going to be able to do that year one because they're picking, Ro- they're picking Murray, and you, you don't think that if, let's say they get a day two pick for Rosen, you don't think the day two pick and pick 33 are both going to be smelling on the offensive line. They could. They could yeah. do that. But you know they're going to take a receiver early. You because know that you need to have a receiver help as well because with right. what's going on with Ky- and that's part of what happened last year was you were so bad at receiver. Like, and this is what's interesting to me at least is the the foundation I think that you're you're building at least for the most part is probably going to start where it could be any position on the line because whether it's left tackle, right tackle, left guard, right guard, even center. Like if we're talking about center, Mason Cole was like he was average last year. If you're saying hey, if we can get a better center potentially who can protect up front against the Aaron Donald against the guys like a DeForest Buckner for that one who's more solid. That was part of with interior pressure. Hey, go for it because that's the biggest thing I think you're going to need with Kyler is to build up the interior of that line and that'll also help your run game to be able to get guys distracted or be able to pull it off because if they're going to have to have one guy who's watching Kyler Murray, you're going to be able to find mismatches and there's, there's, there's kind of a fallout effect that I think you'll have and for me at least the biggest thing I would agree with you is hey, we'll be able to know right away if Kime's the guy or if not. If you start seeing like, oh wow, Kime just went out and spent like you know, pick 33 on a linebacker, and then you spent like another pick on like, you know, uh, a cornerback who was a safety or something like that. And you're like, oh gosh, like here we go again. So that's where you're going to have to want and see for this team to make improvement and progress. I think you're going to want to have to, to see the team understand where those faults, where the circumstances is, and be able to use the draft to address those needs. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a first for Rosen. I don't know if I think a second will probably be what potentially gets it done. Some teams may end up being on the spot of, you know, waiting until it is draft day and seeing where the other quarterbacks end up falling like if you end up seeing three first round quarterbacks go in the top 10 picks one team here is like well shoot I was gonna go I didn't expect that you know you're gonna see a quarterback go like I didn't expect Dwayne Haskins at four to the Oakland Raiders I thought it was gonna go like here for that one you're the Giants who were gonna be expecting a guy at 17 suddenly you know uh 
Daniel Jones goes at 15, say, to like a team like the Dolphins or the Skins, you're like, great, that was that was our guy. Suddenly, you're just looking at that pick 37. You're like, all right, we'll give you pick 37. Cardinals, no, 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 no. We need pick 37. And we, so there's possibilities of maybe that's part of the play that's there. Maybe it's the, the deal will get done before draft day. We'll kind of hear whispers or rumors of it. But because of, like you said, the tension, the NFL, one well, a surprise, maybe that will be. That, the- I think that's an absolutely a factor. I think the league knows that this deal is going to get done. Everybody behind the scenes. But from a, from a fan standpoint, you know, last year you had, you know, all those quarterbacks available for Cleveland. And we really didn't know until the day of the Baker Mayfield was going to be the pick. If they trade Josh Rosen in the in the next week or so, which I believe the likelihood is increasing by the day because of the fact they're not going to start off-season activities until April 8th, that then you're going to have basically two weeks of just speculating, like, you know, is it's going to be Kyler Murray, so really there's not going to be any speculation. What I do, what I do think is probably going to be more interesting then becomes the fact that, okay, whatever you get for, for Josh Rosen, let's say that you're able to get pick 32 and you're picking 32 and 33, and you gift him to New England. How tempting then, I could absolutely see a scenario in which Steve Kime trades down, gives pick 32 to a team that wants to come up for a quarterback, get that fifth-year option, and add a couple picks on day two. I think that's probably your best bet, is that if you're able to secure a late first for Josh Rosen, Chargers pick at 28, New England's pick at 32, then you're able to trade down and get a couple additional picks on day two, then you can say say to yourself, all right, I've passed up on a lot of high-caliber blue-chip players for Kyler Murray, but at least I can go pick 33 and then, like, maybe, you know, pick 40-something and 60-something, and then you've got pick whatever, the first pick of the third round. In my opinion, that is kind of the best way to save face with the fan base that is yep. so upset about the fact that you gave away Rosen and you gave away picks last year, mm-hmm. and now you're talking about having holes all over this roster. And you know how Kime loves to trade down. Yep. I, I think he's going to be looking to trade down, assuming he gets what he wants for Rosen, and to add more picks on day two because w- there's just so many holes on this roster, Blake. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's a really interesting point of when you're talking about having to kind of press the reset button. That was what we talked about why we prefer to trade down this year. The biggest thing was, I think we had looked at saying, all right, Josh Rosen, Bad's first season. Let's go ahead and say, because you invested, because you put this in, let's look at him. He showed a, he showed promise, at least for some of those. Like I, I said, like, you know, he had five games, at least, that he put the team in position to win the game, even despite a lot of those struggles. Let's look and view him as a cornerstone piece. Now, I think what's happened is, is that Cliff Kingsbury and everyone comes in. Everything that's gone on to this point, whether it's from Rosen, whether it's him doing, whether it's Cliff, or at, even, even going to the quarterbacks, Coach Tom Clements, whatever has happened up to this point, they believe that that cornerstone is cracked enough that they need to get a new one. That's, that's where it comes down. So that wasn't really evident to us from a lot of it. So they believe that Kyler is going to be this cornerstone. I think for those who are still questioning or worried about some of that, as far as if the cornerstone at least is cracked, that's at least what I've heard is that's part of what, why the Cardinals were even looking at this. But here's the other two things that I think have made it a pretty much easier sell. I guess I can go for three quick things. The first one is Steve Kime knows that he passed on Russell Wilson. He said, I wish I had the balls to draft Russell Wilson. He knows that he passed on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And when you bring in Cliff Kingsbury, and he's saying, hey, I'm the guy who found Baker Mayfield in college. We forget about that Baker was even one of Cliff's guys. You talk about the NFL guys in Case Keenum that he's worked with. He at least worked with help develop Manziel. When he moved to Texas Tech, each of the guys he recruited, he had a top 
10, oftentimes top five offense every single year, found and recruited Patrick Mahomes, found and uh, recruited even a guy who uh, transferred, at least is still on an NFL roster, NFL quarterback in um, – Oh gosh, Davis Webb uh, moved to Cal, at least just because of each of those. He's a guy who his entire job is built around the quarterback position, drafting, pulling, and developing. If he's willing to say, we need to move off of Josh Rosen, I don't want a part of him for this one, and let's get this guy instead, that's going to be a huge selling point when you've looked at with kind passing on those. And as far as for with the Mahomes-Wilson, uh, with part of the quarterback scouting that I do each year as far as for with checking and testing for who are like the top quarterbacks, some of that is built on – how did they play against the toughest competition that they faced? If they were they a guy who beat up on easy competition, didn't do as well in the NFL. And most of the time it's like, it's not like I'm perfect on each of those different ones, but a lot of times it's been successful enough to kind of paint a picture and a story. And I've seen it kind of play out in a level. So, take that for what you will but each of the players and I went through the last couple of drafts for that one there were ultimately questions that I had going in about Carson Wentz and when I ran through I'm like okay whenever Carson Wentz played his best football it was against the best competition there's injury concerns that are there but the dude should be able to rise up and he won tons of games and plenty of championships when he played <laughs> dude ended up getting a, a ring overall you look at the next year the top two quarterbacks that I had were uh, Pat Mahomes was kind of like the top guy that I had but Deshaun Watson when he played off and just showed off against Alabama and just was like as great player for each of those different ones that was a huge level but it was also a tough factor of the tough games that he played too last year it was kind of interesting because Baker was essentially the quarterback one Lamar was the second guy who when I ran out and did the throw I'm like oh he's not really as great of a thrower but his rushing ability was so special he was one in four because his defense when I looked at the different stats he was one in four because his defense couldn't stop anyone. If you had a defense and given him a defense for Lamar Jackson, his running ability was special enough that he was able to win games. We saw that this year with the Ravens. There's questions, yep. obviously, if he's got a limit, but dude came in, they ran the football teams, were, they were put up enough offense for each of those, and he was a special player. You hit the playoffs, and you know you just ran into kind of a wall. Maybe that's the thing that's there. When I ran through the numbers with Rosen, Darnold, Allen just did not test out well at all. He beat up on a lot of the easy competition, which is kind of unfortunate. Had a great bowl game, which was one of the things that stood out but when I ran through the numbers for Darnold and the numbers for Rosen even Mayfield he had some struggles against some of the top teams like when they played Georgia he had some struggles too but he came back in the second half showed up put the game team in a position to win and it just wasn't able to be done against Georgia uh, what surprised me was interesting was Kyler Murray when I ran the same numbers the same stats for that one he averaged about 315 yards a game 102 yards rushing which is crazy because it's over 100 rushing yards a game it probably won't run that much in the nfl completed no. about 66 percent of his passes like his accuracy a lot of times the teams one of the guys i was really cautious about like i think it was mason rudolph accuracy when they played tough teams whoop, dipped dove straight down into the gutter for that one he had about 13 touchdowns only two interceptions protected the ball so well and he had a winning record at three and two the only two losses that he had when I ran through were the losses to Texas when they were the 19th rate team and the number one team in Alabama. But against these top teams that still were really good offenses and had great defensive talent, Texas is being one of them for that Auburn when he played an SEC defense, he still put up really, really good stats. He tested into that Mahomes and uh, – Deshaun Watson category he wasn't in that second tier so if you're looking at it from that analytics perspective and I know pro football focus has him as the best player in this draft this year they do 
when you're looking at that one ahead of the Quinn and ahead of those guys, the PFF saying it's a no brainer. I'm looking at my own way for Scott. I'm like, gosh, this is no brainer. He's testing out for me higher than Josh Rosen. Now some of the context is maybe you throw in context of the height, the weight, the other things and that there's other concerns that you may be looking at in film. But right now I'm like, this is almost a no brainer. If he's testing into a higher category, you can build around. If he's that guy who's a Mahomes or a Watson who can transform a team where he took the chiefs from Alex Smith being a playoff team every year to they're basically like a number one or number two seed each year where they don't don't need as much and they don't have to play and they don't have to play perfect yeah, you don't have to play they don't have to play perfect he they had a terrible awful first half against the patriots this year and their first time playing second half it was just back and forth four touchdowns just like that they're back in it if deshaun watson you look at that he makes up for like he's been sacked more than like any other quarterback he makes up for that he takes you know a bad team now granted they've got you know some great wide receivers they've got a better play column bill o'brien they've got a good defense around him for each of those pieces but he elevates that team if you're talking about kyler murray as being a guy who can elevate your franchise, then, all right, consider me sold. If you're saying that Josh Rosen, to me, is going to be a guy who's the Cardinals, whether it's not viewing him as a bust, and I think some of that is part of why we've heard a third-round pick being about the value. Now it seems like it's been built up to a second, which in that case, if that's the case, and all of this that Steve Kime is doing is having it where, hey, we've got a team that's offered us finally a late first-round pick. If you want us to go to the Patriots and all of the stuff of once the Patriots got involved, if that's all stuff coming from the Cardinals to get other teams involved, if Steve Kime can walk away with a you – know, even if it's not a first-round pick, if you're convinced that Rosen is just going to kind of – you know, flop out either be a backup or be out of it for that one, and you get back a second round pick for it, and you're able to put that towards helping your team. Then that that's it's kind of like a win. It's like, hey, if you could trade, you know, the Kevin Cobb contract and get back a second round pick the year afterwards, yeah, sure, I, I would take that ten out of ten times. Uh, I think that's going to be the biggest thing that I think we're having to um, to look at with this whole situation is if they do end up managing to salvage, build around, and if it wins, it no one's going to really care about what the situation happened if Kyler ends up right. That's on. that's the biggest thing is. If he if he pans out and he becomes a franchise quarterback for this team, it's not going to matter what Rosen did, assuming that that Kyler is a better player. It's not going to matter what the what what pick yep. they got, assuming you're able to get something from from you know the other team that's substantial that makes makes an impact, right? You're gonna we assume at this point, Blake, it's going to be tough for them to get a first round pick for Rosen, as much as we we hold out yep. hope. If, if they do get a pick, it's going to be probably, like we mentioned, in New England or San Diego. Yeah. So then you start looking at the teams that have been rumored uh, that to, to give up a second-round pick. You, know, you talk about the Giants with pick 37. Um, to me, that's probably best-case scenario right now, most realistic scenario. The Giants have two first-rounders. You'd think that if they, if they love Rosen, they don't have to give up any you know, premium draft capital. Yep. They can give up pick 37. And to me – you're going to talk about an opportunity then to have pick one, 33, and 37, and you have a fresh start. Like, that's that's probably as good as it gets. But then you, you start to scroll down. You look at some of these other options. Maybe a Denver at pick 41. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Washington at pick 46. That's kind of the sweet spot. To me, outside of that, that is going to be difficult to part with Rosen just to give him away to somebody like New England at pick 56. Or, like, we've the, the rumor that we've heard right now is San Diego has already offered pick 60 which is their their second round pick. Yeah, which and I, some people are said if they actually did that, then wouldn't the deal be done? And so I'm like, well, I, don't that's know. I, I, think, the, I, I think the team and is time can drive it up. I'm I'm yeah. in this spot of I'm like you know if they give an extra week and try to say drive the market up or try to like push stuff out. Like if you can build kind of a bidding war essentially for some of those and drive the price up. Like if Steve Kime walks away, like I even joked about and said <laughs> Steve Kime isn't going to take just a third round for Josh. He'll get a third and a fifth. So all he gave up was a first right. round. So we could see a scenario where it's a second and maybe a fourth or yeah something like. 
like that. But I do, I do believe that they're, they're holding out hope to have a pick in the top 40. They're trying to get a sense of how New York feels about these quarterbacks. And, and partially it's going to be, it's going to be a, a kind of a uh, leverage point with these teams saying, we're taking Murray at one, so there's one less quarterback for you to be able to target. You've got a team like the Oakland Raiders with all these picks that can be super aggressive. If they want you know, Dwayne Haskins, they have every opportunity to nab him. How do you feel about the Drew Locks of the world? How do you feel about the Will, Will Greers mm-hmm. of the world? Do you like those players more than Josh Rosen? Because I think, I think on the surface, even, even if you don't believe Rosen is better than Murray, most people think that, that Rosen is on the same level or just a notch below. And then you talk about, okay, you got, you got Rosen ahead of Dwayne Haskins. You've got Rosen ahead of Will Greer and Drew Locke. You've already, the Cardinals have already paid Rosen all this money. I guess, I guess you lose one year of eligibility, but you're but even if you took somebody like that in the second round, you're only getting four years of, of contract service at that point. Like it, to me, the folks that are trying to poo-poo Rosen and saying the best you can get is a second or a late second, I still think that you at the be end able of the go day, higher because of there's enough benefit that I think that you have there. It's like, hey, and it's also a spot of a first is harder to justify. I think I think I agree. It's going to be really hard to get a first. Like you'd have to have the I don't, I don't see the Patriots offering 32, especially after losing Gronk. Uh, they're going to have to use something as far as with capital, even with all those picks. But I think that I'm saying a late second. It's like, yeah, if you can push that into a higher upper second or a set late second and an additional like pick that's there, whether that's right. Like, well, they had you know, pick, pick 56 and. 64. I mean, like, realistically, if you're talking to, to Bill Belichick, could, they have so many picks on day two. I, I think if, if you're going to make a deal with New England and you're going to know that Rosen's going to have – yeah. <laughs> right, and Rosen's going to have success there because it's New England. If you could somehow get pick 56 and then their, their third-round pick 73, that is probably about as good as you can hope for. I think that's probably what's going to end up happening. Something yeah. – to that effect where you're getting a second and a third from a team because really you have a leverage point where you can tell New England like you have all this additional draft capital give us some or we're not gonna you know you're not gonna get anybody even remotely close to Rosen's talent level and we know how much they liked Rosen last year it came out that New England would have absolutely considered him had he fallen into the 20s where they had multiple firsts and so to be able to get him a year later I'm sure Belichick relishes, relishes that so I I, I I, I agree with you, Blake. I think a first is unlikely, unfortunately, at this point, as much as I would have loved to see like somebody like Washington trade, pick 17. The, cl- the closer we get to the draft, I, think, I believe the, the, the less leverage the Cardinals have, and they need to get this done soon. Yep, I would agree with you. Let's go ahead and switch at least kind of as we kind of wrap up some of that. I know we'll probably have another draft podcast coming up, but let's go ahead and answer some questions that we've got from some fans now with the at, at hashtag AskROTBPod. Um, the, uh, one question, at least that I have from, uh, Aiden Lasseter at least said, um, if, and when we draft Murray, what do we address with the number 33 pick? Uh, this is good. Cause John, I think some of that will depend. First of all, what, what do we get back from with Rosen? Is it going to be higher, lower third? Like, I think some of that will depend because if it's a spot where, Hey, there's a guy who falls like an interesting question that someone posed to me was, well, with the injury, no 40, like what if Hollywood Brown is sitting there at 33 and you've got 37 from the Giants? And I'm like, oh, so if that's the case, maybe in that spot you would pass on an offensive lineman, take a guy because you need a deep thread who can play outside, who can do all of that. Is that a possibility? Maybe maybe you pass on that because of the medical as far as that. Maybe it's that type that you're looking for. But I think that's what it will depend. But for me at 33, I think what you're looking at is an offensive lineman. I think it's got to be interior. Uh, the name that's been kind of floated around, I think that uh, Seth even mentioned it on – 
uh, with the Revenge of the Birds would be a guy like an Eric McCoy, or even when you're talking about like a Chris Lindstrom, if he's there on day two, super yep. athletic lineman. Get the interior lineman because your interior is bad. You don't know if you can trust Justin Pugh. Sweezy was a guy who was, you know, a one-year deal person. Um, even if it's a center for that one, at least. It's, it's e- real quick, like year. it's easier for Murray, somebody like Murray with his ability yep. to make tackles look better than they are. But when you have that interior pressure, you have, you have no shot. So I totally agree. Yep, I mean, we even saw that in the – if you watch the play, the biggest thing that I noticed when I was watching the Alabama game was that Quinn and Williams, once he got instant penetration, it was just like that was kind of done. So that was just fascinating to me as far as with the way that it worked with the Cardinals last year. It was worse for Rosen. Murray can, like, scramble and run away. But when you get that interior pressure and it's like having to slide or adjust away, even with the height, that is going to – is going to be a concern. I, I'd look at interior offensive linemen, or as we talked about, trade back from that pick. If you can move from 33 to like, you know, 40 and pick up a fourth round pick or another pick that's like in the top 120, maybe even kind of go to you and say, hey, we're going to move back. Can you give us like, say, a fourth this year and a fourth next year for that pick? Sure. I think there's teams that would do that. Then you can start to say move back because you're going to have a guy who's probably going to be at some someone's board, a day one player. Yeah, someone's always going to have someone who they have graded as a day one player who's there in day two. We saw with the Giants last year. Took Will Hernandez. Would love if the Cardinals could do that as well. Uh, what would it be about with the third round, at least from at Sheldon 0501? Um, I would obviously, we got to look at receiver. I felt like for a while that a tight end might be more important than a receiver because in Cliff's offense, you're still going to need to get a better blocker. You've got Charles Clay, who's decent, but has been beat up. You've got Ricky Seals-Jones, who might be reunited with Kyler Murray, but isn't as much of a blocker either. Having a guy who can kind of be in that dual role and that H-back role will help with not just the run game, but also being able to give an active passing threat. Uh, we got to see that with Calcaterra and even with Baker Mayfield as far with Oklahoma scheme having a mismatch um, at the tight end position was super helpful especially helpful for a young quarterback we got to see with Rosen and Ricky Seals Jones when they were able to connect it was a real big benefit for him to have a tight end for all that what are your thoughts about the third round Jen yeah I I think you got to go what what other position you didn't take at 33 so if you didn't go wide out you got to go wide out in the third. That's just my opinion. I think that they feel like with Ricky Seals-Jones and Charles Clay, maybe they can put off taking a tight end super high. I think when the Cardinals are into the position that they are, assuming you don't have multiple day two picks, which you could have, you could have, you could go from two to four. You could go from two to five, depending on a trade back. But I, I think that if, let's just say in your scenario, they go uh, into your offensive line and pick 33, I think you got to come back and really look at some of these receivers that can stretch the field, big physical yeah. receivers that can play the outside. You want to get um, one, you got to get two wide receivers probably some point. Right. Absolutely. And you got, and you assume Larry's year to year. Larry is kind of a def, def, I could see Kingsbury saying that Larry is kind of a default hybrid receiver tight end. And so maybe there's not such a, of a need. I mean, you could look at a guy like Riley Ridley at the top of the third round that has, you know, he's got pretty good size, but, uh, or excuse me, not pretty good size, pretty good speed, but somebody who can definitely stretch this, the field. You're going to be looking at that second-tier group of receivers. Here's the tough part for me, Blake, is when you, mm-hmm. when you look at those fringe one-rounders, first-round receivers, I think there's going to be a run on them probably in the 20s until about pick 50. Talking about, you know, Marquise Brown, A.J. Brown, yep. maybe Nikhil Harry. A lot of these guys mm-hmm. are going to be gone. Are you comfortable waiting on and taking somebody like, the kid from NC State, Kelvin Harmon, somebody like that, uh, somebody like Miles Borkin from from Notre Dame, some of these really second and third tier receivers. 
you know, the kid from Georgia, the last name, I think his name's Hardman, who's got unbelievable physical abilities. Yeah, yeah, Merkel Hardman. Yeah, yeah. Debo, Debo Samuel. There's, there's a lot of these guys that are going to be – there's going to be a run on these players. And so in the third round, you just got to be able to weigh it and say, okay, can we believe we get an impact player at pick, you know, whatever it is, 60, uh, 65, that's going to be – able to make an impact year one or is it going to be a developmental guy I don't think the Cardinals right now with where they're picking can can afford to take somebody who's not going to come in and contribute right, right away and with Steve Kimes mentality with especially with the offensive we've never seen him invest a pick on the offensive line in the second round yep. since he's taken over the team now whether that be based on where they've been drafting or who's been taken ahead of them so if he can if he continues with that mindset you're probably looking at a receiver pick 33, the, the splashy move, somebody like Marquise Brown, and then at pick thir- pick 65, you're looking at, I think, more likely that interior offensive lineman. And I agree with you, Blake. I think they wait on tackle until maybe next year, maybe a developmental guy on day three. But I think they roll with the tackles that they have this year and then hope they can upgrade in, in, in 2020. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I think that a lot of the names you mentioned, like it, it's interesting because it'll be fascinating to see how Cliff will want to build it. I think some of the positive that I'll see is we'll get to know a little bit more about his wide receiver type. We've seen some of Cliff's guys, you know, end up in the NFL um, from the, uh, from the station. I, the ones that's interesting, I know that we've already talked about was team connections with a guy like Isabella. Um, someone I know was just looking through, they brought up some of the, uh, the other different names of who would be the type of guys they'd look for. I think that's something where that might be it's anything as flexible as any and ever. I think that we are clearly in belief that they're lacking a deep speed guy who's able to kind of run a lot of the things that Oklahoma ran. Uh, that's the biggest need I think that they would take. I don't know if that's, that doesn't necessarily need a star name like Hollywood. Um, there, like you mentioned, Merkel Harden would be great. Um, the biggest thing I think at least overall, and this is interesting, was between the line of the, the, the Hakeem Butler is kind of that type, I think, as far as for the big outside can get downfield, like as far as averaging just this tough physical guy, he can also block. That would be the one where if it's, I don't think he's going to be there at 33. Some people have him as wide receiver one. I think that would be the optimal one. I think you could get a guy who's similar enough at Antoine Wesley, who was in Cliff scheme later, as far as big, tall outside guy can go for the contested catches and, you know, make big plays. He's not as, fast at least at that size um, that would be kind of the the one I would look at the biggest thing that's interesting with Nikhil Harry is I, and this is something that a lot have talked about is I feel like Nikhil is like his best fit is kind of in the Jarvis Larry Fitzgerald Juju Smith-Schuster type of role where if he's outside I think that he can get off the press and can do well especially with back shoulder fades but if you put him in like the big slot where he's able to just match up against like you know the safeties the other players like he he would feast I think in that who is your preference at pick 33 assuming all of those receivers are still around yeah if I have all those receivers still around for me I'd take Butler because I do think that there's a really good chance that between Butler or Brown that Butler might be the best wide receiver in the draft over like he the, the one that someone I think talked about as far as with um Oh, I was trying to remember, like, at least the size. He's the guy who I think is the best way of being able to make an impact short or deep. The only reason I'd have him ahead of a guy like Hollywood, despite the fact that Hollywood would be such a perfect fit, is because of that foot and the ankle surgery and all of that. Like, we've seen some wide receivers have had, like, careers end after that. They've granted that. Yeah, they don't recover. Yeah, They've been on the older side, fortunately. Like, we've seen that with Victor Cruz. We've seen some guys like Julio have and recovers. The fact that he's younger probably bodes well. The fact that they said that he's probably going to be back for able to run and even perform in – 
post-draft OTAs and stuff like that, that gives me a lot more confidence. But there's just enough pause where it's, hey, if I had access to see, you know, what the medicals were for that. Otherwise, the other thing about Butler is you can get the same type of deep speed, like that threat and a lot of those things that you have with a guy with his size and profile. Like you're, you're talking about like a – you know an elite guy as far as with that type of a combination is crazy so I would have him probably as my top guy because it doesn't matter whether you're running Cliff's scheme or whether you're running you know uh, Mike McCoy's scheme god god hope that never happens again he's a guy who I think can fit you really really well there um overall um well, he definitely he definitely has the physical attributes to say like eventually we see him as a number one receiver he could he could mm-hmm. be somebody who consistently puts up you know, 12, 1300 yards in today's exactly, NFL. Exactly, because he's not think, just a big play receiver. He's a guy who's got a lot of other nuanced plays. Yeah, he's, he's six four and a half, six five. He can play the jump ball. He can run the, you know, the four 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 five speed um, down the field. I mean, like when you when you create uh, a receiver, like he's got every attribute to, that you want outside of. He's a little bit inconsistent when he when he tries to catch the ball. But I think that when you're when you're going all in with a Kyler Murray and a Cliff Kingsbury like Hakeem Butler, to me absolutely makes a lot of sense because he fits that kind of all in mode with what you want to do. Yep. Totally agree with you there. Yeah. The, it'll be interesting to see what the team does. I do know that one of the things that some people believe is they believe that the Cardinals, and this is something I know you and I, John have talked about is they may have to draft a linebacker pretty high just because where you're not sold yeah. on Hassan Reddick, you might have to hedge your bet. And then with a guy like Brandon Marshall going, it was a little bit more than wanted to pay for the age and all of that, I think was probably what it came down to. Kime at this point, it's also an interesting spot of people are bringing up the fact that teams are not realizing that if they sign too many players, they don't get as many comp picks as far as for players who are leaving and signing other contracts. Like we saw Marcus Golden sign a contract, Deion Buchanan left and signed a contract. It might be that the Cardinals are saying, Hey, like we get more picks for all of that next year with some of those comp picks. We can suddenly start turning in those comp picks and move things around or get more players. That's a, a good possibility. I think overall. So John, there's a lot that I think we've talked about today. We'll probably end up calling it the biggest thing. I think that we're kind of taking away overall at least is, and this is just where if the team's going to head and move ahead with Kyler Murray, at least for the most part, there's enough that I can say to a lot of fans, hey, if you've got concerns or questions or all those things like that one, even despite a lot of those things with the team, there's enough I think that we can see and enough that I've at least heard about Josh. I'm like, okay, guys, it's going to be okay. I think that this is the team ultimately making a decision that if the rest of the NFL is saying this is a no-brainer, if you're going to be looking at a lot. They are. If you're going to say, hey, Kyler Murray, this is what someone even told me because I asked them, said, hey, if the Cardinals pass on Kyler Murray at one, like what's going to happen with the second pick? They said, well, some may have Haskins at – QB one some may end up still saying hey we don't want to take a size on that profile but for those who are like looking at this kid for that one they would be like desperately trying to trade up to two like it would be a crazy bidding war where mm-hmm. the Niners would basically like you know something like even I think you like some people I talk with uh, have said hey like if I'm the Niners Garoppolo got hurt I'm not sure if I'm sold maybe I'd consider it because of the I think so that contract that's a possibility but that's what I was told from a lot of people was people may have Haskins ahead of Murray but those who believe and are sold on Murray are so sold like they would be like Hey, hey, Niners! Like I'm picking up the phone call here. Take this pick here. That that's the fact that the well, he and he hasn't been available as long too. I think people were so bought into the notion that he wasn't going to play in the NFL. He's going to play baseball. Mm -hmm. Everybody kind of just said, "Okay, we'll put his tape on ice then." And then the minute he declared, it became a real possibility. He spurned, you know, Scott Boris and the Oakland A's. Everybody was like, "Oh, we better catch up to what what now is considered, you know, a a franchise changing quarterback." So I totally agree with you, Blake. I think. I think I think it's I think the Cardinals are in a position now where they feel like they have an opportunity to take a game changer at the position and that Rosen just isn't that. Yep, and that's the thing is if they felt that Rosen was that, 
then you and I are kind of on the same page on this. And it would be, it wouldn't even be a discussion. Yeah. Well, what would happen at least at this point was it wouldn't matter at this point. Everyone would be talking about, Oh, the Oakland Raiders might be moving up. Oh, the Raiders might be trading up. Oh, this might be happening. That would be what the talk would be. I think because the Cardinals would then be trying to leverage and trying to get more picks out of the Raiders. So if it comes to the fact where the Cardinals are so sold enough on Kyler Murray that let's say that the Raiders call an offer for 24 and 27 and move up. If the Cardinals are that sold on Kyler. And part of it is also that you're not sold as much on Josh. Then if, that's going to be the case where Gruden's like, I want this guy. I don't think I'm going to be able to get him. Right. Are you making a mistake trading down? Right. And that was the one thing that I was looking at that was most interesting was, and that was the question we even talked about the same thing. Hey, if the Raiders got for me three first round picks for Nick Bosa, I'm pausing. I thought that the Cardinals say, Hey, you want to come on Nick Bosa? Okay. We've got him and Quinnen close. We'll trade back to four. We can get Quinnen potentially there. If the Niners go edge, the Jets go edge, or if a team trades up for Haskins, you may still be able to land Quinnen Williams at four. And suddenly you're like, Hey, if it's close enough. And then uh, you could say, Hey, give us four, give us 27. We'll settle for around three or maybe even like a try to push for a day two pick. Maybe it's two third round picks. It's kind of come to a compromised value of what you would give up for. The fact that then if the Raiders are going to offer three first round picks, you're like, Whoa, hold on maybe are, are we making a mistake passing on Nick Bosa here if he's worth three first round picks the fact that it's like that with this quarterback has me thinking you know what maybe the Cardinals are right and maybe when Cliff Kingsbury says something about a quarterback maybe it's time for me to listen that's kind of what's shifted my gaze over time because you know John I was a guy who was a non-believer like I was the you know let's talk about the Ebenezer Scrooge the bah humbug on taking Kyler Murray I've been talking with viewing and going through all the different steps and like you know what i'm feeling like if the cardinals do take kyler murray and with all the stuff i'm hearing at least what people are saying about with josh rosen if that's the case for all of that then i would be the guy waking up on christmas morning with the cardinals taking saying they were so committed and saying hey we were wrong about this we don't care we're not going to be that team that signs blake bortles to a longer contract gets rid of him and then signs nick Foles. we want to make sure that we can get this right at the quarterback, the most important position on the field, then I'll be the one who's waking up on Christmas morning, ringing out the bells or whatever it is like that one here. If that's going to be the case, and if Kyler Murray proves himself, then it's going to be a really fun thing to cover, John. And it's going to be it's going to be tough because you know I've been under attack. The Cardinals are going to be under attack. No matter what happens, someone is going to be a loser in this scenario or come off as a loser in this scenario. And so that's why it's uh, it's ultimately the best reality show on earth. Like this is the craziest edition of The Bachelor ever. I think you could say. The, Card- the Cardinals are in a position to do something completely unprecedented. I don't know when we'll see this again. A team taking a quarterback back-to-back in- years in the first round and it- and both being in the top ten. I-, I-, I don't know if we'll ever see it again, but what I can tell you, Blake, is that they must be so completely sold on Murray being the guy – there's, a lot of, there's other people in the NFL who are too. Like some people are looking at it, just telling me like, oh, hey, look, I saw Josh Rosen last year. I looked at Kyler Murray. I said, yeah, that's a no-brainer for me. That's what well, with, And I think Kyle probably spins it to Michael Bidwell to the sense that, hey, I can't develop offensive linemen because what they're giving me at the college level is is not – good enough right for, You're for not whatever turn around and win if you want to win this year like i think uh, it was a uh, pff was a sam or pff my one of those guys pointed out and said hey look like your offensive line still probably is going to be bad this year and you don't have a lot and of next, and next year you're already going to be kind of just adding a play caller, maybe a bit of a better scheme. If you wanted to have the maximum impact for some of it for that one, and you change out the quarterback, that might might be the best way to do it. Now you have to obviously hit on the quarterback to do so, and that's the one thing is it's still a crapshoot, obviously, in the NFL. Like no one knew at least that we were going to be talking about Peyton Manning having to have those neck surgeries and then the Colts happened to land Andrew Luck. That's the whole thing that's craziest to me about this, John, is if we know that – this is the one thing I brought up. That I'm going to actually have a kind of a story to write on some of this. was If we know and believe that the Raiders wanted Kyler Murray, 
the Raiders effectively ended all of that hope of that happening because they beat the Cardinals earlier this year and then right. that win. And then the Niners, if the Niners had the number one pick, you know, Niners might be the, I don't know if they'd want to take it or something, but if they're looking either to trade down or if they just took Bosa at one or however it worked out, or if the Raiders traded up for the team that wasn't going to take Kyler, they've got so many more picks than the Cardinals be able to offer. Well, the only reason we're talking about this is that the dice just kind of happened to fall in just the right way where a guy that Cliff Kingsbury has been sold on for about six or seven years, uh, his wide receivers coach, David Rye, has been sold on, that a lot of the NFL is starting to just buy into this kid where they're like, yeah, no, we're not going to get him. Why? Why not? Well, Cardinals going to take him. It's so obvious for all of that. Well, why? Well, have you seen his tape? He's that good. Have, have you seen Josh Rosen? The fact that it seems like it's a foregone conclusion, John, it's something where I think that we may need to start saying, let's shift for all of that. Like, it's going to be a mourning grieving process. I think I have for Rosen, for the team, for Bosa, for all of that. Let's at least say it's okay to be able to get excited about Kyler Murray. It's okay for us to be able to be having this. And there's going to be people excited about Kyler Murray. The Cardinals well, yeah, he, are going to be opening up maybe even as early as week one with Cliff versus the with, uh, the guy that he dumped in Baker Mayfield. At the, and you're going to be seeing, you know, Kyler Murray potentially like playing against his guy who led him for it's going to be this huge huge hype this huge amount of event for that one about two really electric players in the nfl he brings a relevance factor that the team doesn't have even with josh rosen playing well he, he just does he he is a, a polarizing prospect we have not seen an individual be drafted in the first round of the baseball draft and then immediately want to come play play football i mean it's a, he's got kind of a Deion sanders bo jackson-esque aura about him and in today's you know, culture and, and landscape, that that makes a big difference. I mean, the Cardinals are in a position to have the kind of player that they've never had before. And I think yeah. that Michael Bidwell knows that if you make this investment on Kyler Murray, you know, it's a it's about winning games, but it's also about elevating your franchise to the point where you're continually selling out every year. You're not, you know, the, the Valley itself is in a, is such a desperate position right now sports-wise because every you know major franchise that they have is going through a major rebuild and are, are trying to stay relevant you know in a community that wants them to be competitive but does not have that rich history I mean you're going to see a scenario in which the, the Diamondbacks just traded away Paul Goldschmidt or are trying to rebuild on the fly the, the Suns could very well bring in somebody like Zion Williams and then the Cardinals are in a position to say hey don't forget about us we went to a Super Bowl not too long ago. We were relevant with Bruce Arians. We're going to add somebody like Kyler Murray that guarantees us, even if the team, like you mentioned, is, is subpar on paper like they're going to be, Kyler Murray is going to net this franchise nationally televised games for the next several years, even if they do not produce wins, wins consistently. If the Cardinals are a competitive 5-11 and team and they're scoring points and you can see that they have an upward trajectory at the end of the year, they're going to be one of the hottest teams coming into the NFL come 2020. And I think that this franchise knows that, that they, if you take Kyler Murray and Kingsbury knows this and Kime knows this, mm -hmm. it buys them another year. It yep. buys them time to continue to fix this roster. It gives them a chance to be relevant and say, look, we made the right decision with Murray because the worst thing that could happen, and I think you know this, Blake, if the Cardinals pass on Murray and either trade down or take Nick Bosa it doesn't matter what those players do. If Josh Rosen starts out slow with Cliff Kingsbury and a lot of the same concerns creep yeah. up against the Blitz or he can't sustain drives or they're not scoring points and Kyler Murray goes somewhere else and has success, you're immediately at the point where you're like, oh, we've made a mistake. And at least with Kyler, we feel like with Kingsbury and Kyler, there's going to be some immediate success. That yep. he's going to have enough flash plays. The league's not going to have enough tape on him. 
to where that they feel like it can buy them time to be competitive 2020 moving forward. And if you're a Cardinal fan, that's exciting because at the end of the day, there's nothing worse than being a bad franchise that's also irrelevant from a national perspective. Yeah, exactly. And that's where the, the biggest thing that I feel like is an overall positive. If you do hit it out of the park with Maria and by their feeling is, yeah, they think they're going to hit it out of the park, then you're going to see it. And this is kind of the same thing. If you can see, and we've talked about this even, a franchise quarterback revitalizes a dead or dying team. That's usually what happens. And it's not that sometimes it's not even an instant impact like we saw that with, with Jared Goff. I think there's maybe some people still have questions about how much if that's McVeigh or Gurley. When Gurley went out, we got to see just this huge collapse from Goff, which was kind of interesting. They still made it, obviously, to the Super Bowl. But when you see, like, the Watsons or even a Mahomes coming in, or when you look at and see how Colin Kaepernick, when he took over for Alex Smith, took the team off, we see how the Panthers essentially were just like this, you know, dying franchise that after, as soon as they kind of broke down after everything that happened with their um, – Oh, who was it with the five interception game with Dick Jake DeLome, at least they're just kind of a broken franchise. The quarterback ultimately is the most important piece. Well, that you bring so up much of the team. Yeah. You bring up Carolina, Blake. I think that is the closest comparison that exactly. we can make when they took Jimmy Clausen and traded up. Now, granted, it was into the second. It was early second. But they took Jimmy Clausen. They had a horrific offensive year. Awful. And Clausen didn't show anything. And they just said, we're going to take Cam Newton and we're going to move on. That's the closest comparison that I that I can see in relation to this. Now, this is much more extreme because I think we would both agree Rosen's a better prospect than Clawson. Yes. Rosen was taken much higher. A lot more but, of an investment that was made. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if this if the same GM for Carolina who took Clawson then took Cam Newton. I'm guessing not. I'm guessing they cleaned house uh, when with everybody when they took Cam first overall. But that that to me is probably the best the best comparison. And even that's an extreme. So this is such an outlier decision. You know, I, it's, it, it pains me because of some how much Some people think I, the Cardinals are nuts because some people are like, I've got Haskins as my number one quarterback. What right. are you doing? And for, and but it is, it is comforting to know that an, 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 yep. an analytical-driven website that, like, pro football focus grades Kyler Murray as the best overall player, like, that, that should give Cardinal fans – because I have concerns, Blake. I have concerns when I watch – if you just watch Murray's highlights and you see how much time he has to operate, uh, you know, under shotgun or, you know – taking a five-step drop like he's not going to have that in the nfl is that going to translate but the people who do the homework on this kind of thing are are blanketly saying that murray is such a special player and it will translate that the cardinals must be 100 percent bought in I would agree with all of that. Yeah, the Panthers, great. You look at the Panthers 2010, they had John Fox, who apparently is, you know, ruined kind of almost two seasons for that one with top picks for each of those different ones, gets fired. And the next year, at least it was the same GM that they had, actually, with Marty Herney. He was there for a long time. But next year, they took Cam Newton for that one in 2012. Or sorry, in 2011, they took Cam Newton. You know, he opened up. They were a 6-10 and 10 team. They did show improvement, at least in the number one pick and being a 2-14 and 14 team. Still had to build a lot of the stuff back up, but you're just talking about how that very first game, like you knew right away, oh, my gosh, Cam Newton against the Cardinals passed for about 400 yards, broke Matt Leinert's record. You just knew this is the guy. And some people even talked about that with Kyler. Like, Cam Newton, where's that one on his chest for that one? He only started, like, for one season. It was an incredible season. Every All of the stats, the statistics, the numbers, all the measurables. Like, you know, it, it was just showing that athleticism that he had and so much hard is that we haven't been able to see some of that he didn't throw at the combine or anything either but if that's the case and this is kind of like your cam newton type of a pick that the Cardinals are going to make then you're going to be revitalizing the franchise in a way that we probably haven't seen and it would be a spot where you know hopefully we get to the point john where instead of blasting time for missing on rose we say well 
glad that Kime at least made that move. Imagine if we had been stuck with Josh Rosen, who the Chargers are now drafting another quarterback over him or right. whatever happens. He becomes a forgotten has. guy. And I hope that he's not. I think he's still a starting quarterback in this league. I think that's the whole case. Is I My grade in him for that one hasn't changed. I think I'm looking at stuff after the first season saying, I thought maybe he'd develop more, be a little higher. Some of what's happened with, you know, has been kind of the, has come true with him in some of those cases. So these NFL guys, they a lot of times, you know, we mock them sometimes from the misses, but a lot of times they do know what we're talking, they do know what they're talking about in the end. All right, that'll about do it for us, folks. Uh, if you guys have found the Revenge of the Birds podcast here through the SB Nation pods, we spent a lot of time going over Kyler, how we got to this stage, why the Cardinals are making this pick. It ultimately seems insane, but it's all just part of team chaos. You can listen to the rest of our podcast episodes. Make sure that you do like and subscribe on iTunes. Look for Revenge of the Birds podcast on Twitter at ROTB pod. We are all over the place and obviously with Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio as well. You can uh, be able to find everything that we have, at least for the most part, is backlogged. Uh, follow us on Twitter as well. I'm at Blake Murphy 7 And, John, I don't know if we, I, I, I planned on this, but uh, I don't know if we're going to reveal anything just yet. That's going to be up to you. But you're the one who made that bet, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, on the Twitter account having to kind of change the name overall. We're going to put the at Johnny's football uh, name to rest, obviously, for each of that. Uh, have you picked out kind of a new name or no kind of direction? Are we going to have like a reveal? that you're going to plan in the future for each of those to find you on Twitter? Well, I, I'm kicking around several handles. I'm going to keep my, I'm kind of cheating because I'm keeping my account and I'm keeping my followers because I want to continue to interact with with everybody on on Twitter. I don't want to have to follow 1,200 new people. And, it's and, good, and it's be it, enough of a setback at least. Yeah, for that I don't, don't want to do that. that yeah, way. and so I'm going to, I've had my handle for over 10 years. So for people who it are like, this is a good handle. That's yeah, why I, I got, sacrifice. Like, that's I got it really early. Um, and yeah, so Johnny Manziel has Johnny football, but I have Johnny's football because it's it's my football, right? So <laughs> that is, that is going to be laid to rest. I'm going to change it. Hopefully something to, to the extent of like something Johnny football related. So Johnny, and then it'll be something relevant with, with football, maybe the Cardinals, just maybe the NFL in general. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully something clean where people can be like, oh, it's, it's still him. Uh, so that's what I'm doing. I'm going to change it when Rosen is traded. So assuming mm-hmm. Rosen is traded, um, I will have a special memorial. I'm going to try to do something for Rosen. My name's ready to go, so uh, right. yeah, no, um, laying it all to rest. So, and I will, I will pick a new handle right when Rosen gets traded. I won't wait till the draft, um, just because it'll be. Yeah. Now, if he does get traded on the draft for all of that, then that's going to be a totally different scenario where it'd be after you take Kyler at one, probably. Right. The account change. Right. There. But I'm I'm getting rid of my handle, so I'm not, I'm going to keep my word to that extent. It's a good handle, and somebody else can run with it, but it'll be uh, gone. I was going to say we can probably just. Uh, I think we we're talking about we might just delete it or keep it as just in memoriam. Might <laughs> be the part of that we'll have it. Yeah. Like, but yeah. I have I have I have uh, I have so much fun interacting with everybody on Twitter. It would just be. It would be sucky to have to restart and find everybody once again and for them to find me if they enjoy our content. So I am kind of cheating. I'm going to get rid of the handle, well, which is well, – People love you, John. That's the thing. Like if people are telling you not to go, is a different versus, oh, sure, delete the handle. Well, I honestly – you know, you probably put that out there because I, no chance in hell they're going to take Murray after what's everything. And then we were told you go that too, through yeah. these last two months – 
and you know, again, you've got Benjamin Albright saying it's a done deal, then it's just like I have to come to grips with it. So, yeah, which I have. There's, I, other, there's other people I've heard from, like the sourcing behind, besides just from Albright, where it's like, oh, that's okay. So that's why I've operated from the fact of, and maybe you know, like I've said, I'm leaving the possibility open. But I've told people like I was on the 95% keeping rose and smokescreen, 5% no. That shifted over from the beginning of the month in March and shifted over. Now it's like the 95% taking college 5%, and for me, it's closest to 100 as it can get. I think they're kind of gearing up for that. I think Cardinals fans should prepare for that as well yeah well we you listen to our podcast from from february we like kind of just scoffed at the notion like they're going to try to trade this pick there's no way they're going to pass on blah 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 there, there's no way they're going to you know nick bose is not going to go to san francisco they're not going to and remember it was the boza bowl at the end of the year right the yeah. cardinals had an opportunity to beat seattle they lost and so everybody was cheering because they they gotten bose over san francisco and and now it's just like well that none of that matters because they're going quarterback again which it's just so we'll but never see anything like it I don't think chaos for all of that so but yeah thanks again for joining us all of that we'll be here at least for helping with everyone else for that whether you need to drop a line I'm at Blake Murphy seven if you need to drop a line I mean like someone even said like this is better than therapy for them because of how crazy and insane this whole process has been for the Cardinals for that one um, you can follow me there too um, I appreciate everyone tuning in for that one we'll be there next time we'll have another draft episode we'll be kind of doing with either with more of what we hear other spots at least looking at kind of the draft process um, hopefully we'll be having kind of a mock I've wanted to do kind of a uh, kind of mock draft showdown where we have another one of the kind of common um you know, it was one of the guys who's in the know with a lot of the draft experts who's on where we'd have kind of a three-way mock draft where whatever happens, if someone drafts a player at a certain position, you cannot draft that player. So it'd be fun to see if I could steal maybe one of John's picks before he gets there or people are thinking along the same lines or there may be a different feeling of someone else drafting. It'll be kind of fun just to kind of go through a little bit of that mania and see how the results are. We'll end up with, you know, three mock drafts for the Cardinals by the end of that be an awesome uh, upcoming show I'll have for you guys. So thanks again for tuning in. Take care. And uh, as always go Cardinals. Uh, and I guess for right now, at least we'll be uh, saying also uh, go kind, go Cliff and oh, Lord say it all. I guess go Kyler Murray at this point for those team chaos. Indeed. Have a good one folks.